the man with the cigar I hope he doesn't push me too far Yeah, the man with the cigar And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. And welcome to Comics Monthly Monday. This is episode number 71, and I am Scott Gardner. Yes, we are back. Yay! I have to dug it, dub in a whole bunch of, uh, of applause and, I don't know, crickets Revelry. or something. Someone anyway. Yelling, you suck! <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> sit down, asshole! Tomatoes and shoes <laughs> flying up. Why does somebody always bring eggs and tomatoes to a political rally? <laughs> <laughs> and you use that little clip from uh, Captain America First Bender. Bring back the girls! Yeah, there you go. What girls? <laughs> so those other voices that you hear, besides the ones in your head, are Mr. Michael Bailey. Sup? And Chris Honeywell. How are ya? <laughs> I'm doing fantastically. How are you guys doing? Oh, this is great. This is, uh, wow. Nobody cleaned up this room while we were gone. Um, I, there is a dead rat in here somewhere. I just haven't been you able to find it. never quite forget the smell. That's what I was just going to say. It never, <laughs> never quite leaves the insides of your nostrils. <laughs> Two true freaks. Now with more cobwebs. <laughs> Mildew and farts and Cheetos. And which one of you assholes left the mellow mushroom box in the bag with the pizza in it? I brought that for one of you, and you were supposed to take it with you. I don't like mellow mushroom. Well, the mushrooms have sure mellowed out in the intervening years. <laughs> They're pretty damn mellow now. Kind of dry and crawling chewy. out of box. <laughs> Can you believe this? Oh, my God, we are back. How long has it been? Mike, you were saying years, man. Like... What was it, like April 2015 or something? Yeah, April April 2015. It was the one where uh, where Chris made you look like the kingpin on, oh. the, uh, on the graphic. Oh, yes, that's right. I think oh I my called God. you the thingpin. 
What did we even talk about in that episode? I don't even I don't even know. I've been re-listening to uh, I don't know, but, it, Freaks, but I have not re-listened to that. The art's making me think maybe you should try out the um try out the uh, the old bald look in in your old age. Yeah, right. It could be pretty intimidating, no. man. No, I'm already pretty intimidating. Thank you very much. Yeah, why not kick it into overdrive? <laughs> I'm gonna kick you into overdrive. <laughs> there, see, that's the stuff. <laughs> Well, I would say, what have you guys been up to since uh, last time, which was damn near three years ago? But that's that's going to be a whole different. That's uh, going to be a whole segmented topic in this thing. So, what do we want to do? Do we want to go straight into the Freaky Five? Is that what we want to do? Well, yeah, you know, that would actually probably be the best because then that that does catch us up. It fills the gaps. So it helps to fill the gaps. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, because it's it's um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's... it'll shake the cobwebs loose. We we're, we might be a little rusty. We need to get back into this thing. All right, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to jump straight into this. No screwing around. We're going to talk about the Freaky Five. All right, Freaky Five for this episode is... The top five things you read during our unintended hiatus. <laughs> Damn near three years. What have you been doing? What have you? Uh, what have you been up to? So here we go. Uh, who wants to lead this one off? I might be the shortest of the of the three of us. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I had a hard time. I'm about five five, so I don't know if that's quite true. I had a I had a hard time picking five. I had to go and like dig through my for what? Well, for one, I had to trace through my memory banks three years. That's hard enough on right. specific things that go. Did I when did I when did I read this? But um, and it's funny because I think all three of us we were talking on IM and thinking that we were cheating um because <laughs> we we were including full runs of stuff. But it's been three years, so we can uh, I think. <laughs> That would qualify because I've got because I, I was glad to hear you guys saying that because I'm like oh okay good my first two that I wrote down were full runs so um starting at number five the the the, the last two five and four are actually um both full runs and they're both Marvel Star Wars comics um, one of them was uh, Kanan and the other one was uh, the uh, there's a new Darth Vader. This was the first Darth Vader. I have not read any oh, of the new... Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, it's Sorry. a good comic, so... You know. <laughs> it is a good comic. Oh, yeah, I forgot about I forgot about the sniping and poaching part of Comics Monthly Monday. <laughs> top five. Ah, I'm starting to... Uh, okay, I'm starting to get a, get a... Taste some red meat again. Yeah, the the Kanan. That was comic. not on my list, but I I read that too. The the Darth Vader. Um, I've actually read both. Uh, now you're talking the one that's Marvel, right? The Marvel. Marvel's one. Darth Vader, not not Dark Horse, right? No, because no, the Dark the, Horse the, one was good too. The, the, generally, like I think you're golden if you focus on Darth Vader. It seems to be something. Right. It gets. I think it gets writers have more fun writing Darth Vader, and the Marvel Darth Vader, even had some wonky bits that I did not like about it, like the could have been could have could have been killers but the just overall strength of it like made me not really mind that much the Kanan ones i like 
through and through. Uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of Clone Wars and uh, and Rebels. So it was nice to see the run-up of his character from from Order sixty six. You know, going towards going towards the Kanan we meet in Rebels, and it was really well written. Um, mm-hmm. My number three is is some is old, some old stuff going back into the late seventies, and uh, I got a whole. I went to um, Johnny Bueno uh, uh, took uh, Scott McGregor and I into the comic shop he works one day, and uh, they for a buck a piece they had. And how can you pass them up for a buck a piece? They had in beautiful condition. Uh, a whole bunch of the old uh, Howard the Duck magazines. So I got like five or six of those, and and boy, oh boy, was that some reading pleasure. And I think this just falls outside the three years, but just before that I would gotten a bunch of the two Madracula magazines. So, and I I associate the two really closely because it's it's just beautiful Gene Colan art in large format black and white. There's at least one of those that has boobies in it. Did you, is that the episode, the issue that you got? I, I you think know? a couple of them have. I think I think most of them, if not flat out boobies, have at least three quarter side boob. In, right. In all of no, them. there's one that has. It's you know, it's it's. I was gonna say full front. It's not full frontal, but you know what I mean. It's I bare believe, boobage. I believe I, I do. don't know I what think number I might is, have all but... of them now. I think so. I, yeah. I I probably have to dig through some more of my magazines to see if I'm missing one or two of them. But I, I do remember, I do seem to remember some nice Gene Colan soft boobs. They, uh, um, they edited those for the essentials. Really? Oh, that's yes, they did. Yeah. They, they covered up the boobs. For oh, the essential that's cool. That's not right. That's, that's yeah. That's anti-art. <laughs> Number number that's two. That's un-American. Number two, I'm cheating because it's two issues, and that's Walking Dead, uh, 167 and 168, and 167 was the one where um, um, Andrea dies. Right. And 168 is the one immediately after it, where pretty much Negan has his opportunity to restore his his rule over at the factory and totally rejects it and uh, and sort of, you know, throws it in the face of the people who are willing to go along with him. And I, and those two were like, I've been liking all the, I, I still haven't, I still would say there's not a bad issue of The Walking Dead, but those two were like the right, I think 167 was a double size and that was some, it just was some classic Kirkman writing and I thought those were really strong issues. And my number one was a two two issue mini series, another cheat, two issues. Although if I had to focus it down, I'll say number one. But there, it's a two part story. It was uh, the Mad Max Fury Road tie in that was the Max story. I haven't read the Furiosa and the Nux story, but uh, the 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 entire st- the 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 it wasn't written by George Miller, but the entire story is from George Miller's notes from the movies. And uh, the art style and uh, the general story and it also like you, there's a couple things you see in Fury Road that you go okay there's the backstory of that it, it was very good and on top of that issue number one I ordered 
I got the um, blank cover of it and have a Mark Comback um, cover on my Mad Max Fury Road number one of me <laughs> with a with a banjo strapped to a truck full of of amplifiers with um, with um, um, the Lord Humongous standing there with a holding up a lighter. So that uh, that cements it. But it was a it, it was a re- it was. When I read it, I was just like, "Man, they should have been making Ma- they could have been making Mad Max comics for years. It would have been great because it was sort of reminiscent of the style, the art style of maybe say some of the Judge Dread, the old Judge Dread stuff, and it had the same sort of like really not a lot of narration or dialogue. It was just visual storytelling. You could have made a million great Mad Max comics. I, I wonder why it's never happened." If 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 it's just never nobody's been able to license it or whatever, but I would love to see some more Mad Max comics. I still am holding out that uh, Fury Road is still the best movie of the century so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. A lot of people might say that. I'm someday. I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna do a, a commentary, pro- proving my point, point by point, with a chalkboard. <laughs> But that's my my freaky five. How many did I snipe from you guys? Probably just the Darth Vader. I'm guessing. I'm ge- yeah, I'm, that, I'm definitely me, yeah. sure that none of you guys uh, have the Howard the Duck magazines on there. If if you do, nope. That would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was just perusing issue one of Howard the Duck, and in the very last page, uh, there are, is bare boobage in that is one. Is that so the one that, where that's the very president? first issue? So. Is it the one that's like a white no. cover? No. Uh, cover on this one is it's like a Polaroid. Yes, I have that one. A, yeah, a scan. So that's that's the first issue. At the at the very it's like end yellow, of it, right? Uh, kind of yellowish, yeah. yeah. And the very last page, they're uh, they head to bed, and uh, and Beverly's taking her clothes off, and uh, Howard says something about their relationship being unnatural, and she's then the very next shot is her laying in bed, you know, bare bare chested, and, and she's saying, "Hush, Ducky, just for once, shut up and kiss me, huh?" <laughs> and then it cuts to him a little bit later, post uh, things, and uh, smoking going, a cigar. Oh, Howard. <laughs> 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 yep, he's smoking a cigar. Yep. Still game better. Actually, he has a cigarette this time. Oh. He, he doesn't. He's he stubbed out his cigar when he went to bed, and he's smoking a cigarette afterwards oh. instead of a cigar. So yeah, there you go. Marvel Marvel Comics um, paving the you know cutting cutting the path ahead for bestiality, head of the curve on all that. <laughs> Surprisingly, that's on the deleted scenes of the Blu-ray that they put out a couple <laughs> years ago. So. <laughs> Technically, there was probably a lot of bestiality in the X-Men, but not the same thing. (laughs) Mike? All righty. Number five, uh, 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 like with Chris, I I loved those. uh, I was specifically talking about the first six issues of Darth Vader, the first series. Mm. Because I thought, wow, they just nailed everything I wanted to see from him, like, on the phone with Boba Fett and then they cut out you realize that he's just killed a bunch of sand people and then you just realize that this is what he does when he goes back to Tatooine you know like like when you go back to your hometown 
you like hit your old like the like the diner you ate at or this place you hung out at. He goes and kills some uh, some Tuscan Raiders, you know, yeah. just for old times. Yeah, he's over Tashi Station. Yeah, but there was a there was a scene at the end of that story when you realize that he knows that the emperor lied to him this entire time. Right. And it was just this really powerful moment, like, oh, this is when the worm starts to turn. Okay, holy crap, it's about to get real. So uh, I liked that when Darwin Cook passed away, Comixology ran, or right around the time that Darwin Cook passed away, Comixology was running a sale of his stuff for a buck a piece. And uh, do you guys remember when the Before Watchmen stuff was coming out? Yeah. Right? Okay, so it apparently pissed off a bunch of people. Uh, because, you know, you shouldn't touch that story. And uh, I have beef with the cult of personality around Alan Moore in general. So I was never against it, but I didn't pick it up. But I bought the six-issue Minutemen series that Darwin Cook wrote and drew, and it was really good. Uh, one, it's his artwork, and I love I love Darwin Cook's artwork just, just in general. But the, the way he kind of fleshed out the world of the Watchmen. I, he did what I thought you could never do, which is make me care about that. Uh, and I also picked up his Silk, the Silk Spectre series that he wrote that Amanda Connor drew. Uh, and I and I'll also uh, recommend, if, if, if you ever get a, find it cheap, the Night Owl miniseries by J. Michael Straczynski was also very well done. Uh, I was shocked that as much of that stuff was good as it was. Uh, number three, I finally sat down and read from Avengers Disassembled to just after Secret Invasion, Brian Michael Bendis' run on New Avengers. And I was really surprised how much I liked it. Uh, I, I know this really, again, it's really funny to talk in the past tense about being mad about comics that no one is mad about anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hey, anybody want to bitch about Brand New Day for about five minutes? That'll, that's timely. Um, but I read it just all as a chunk, and I think it reads better that way because he was basically layering things to Secret Invasion all the way back in Disassembled. And I just, I thought it was really enjoyable. I kind of glazed over Civil War because I'm not a big fan of that miniseries. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Marvel limited series. But the stories he told and the things he did and some of the artwork in there by like David Finch or Mike Diodato was really well done. Uh, and if you have not listened yet to any of the graphic audio uh, per Marvel productions, uh, because they got the license about five years ago, they did a really good version of the novelization of his first new avengers book called breakout uh that i that i liked a lot uh number two it really shocked me but again kind of going back to the minutemen thing doomsday clock the new series that jeff johns and gary frank are doing is really good like i didn't i thought i was going to enjoy it but I, he is Jeff Johns has managed to kind of do all of the kind of metatextual and having stuff in the back matter of the issue and stuff that Alan Moore did with Watchmen, but make it all about 
it's kind of like metatextual commentary of DC over the last like 30 years. Uh, and I've just I've just really enjoyed it. And number one, and this is going to encompass like two years of comics actually. Uh, Superman is good again in the comics. Uh, Rebirth uh, brought Dan Jurgens back to Action Comics, and then Patrick Leeson and Peter Tomasi were on Superman. But even before that, Dan Jurgens did an eight-issue miniseries with Lee Weeks called Superman, Lois, and Clark that was all about the pre-Flashpoint Superman living undercover, basically, in the New 52. Somehow he got ported over with Lois and his son. And that's really where the character you're following at the beginning of Rebirth. But they have managed to make me look forward to Superman at the uh, on a on a actually it's now kind of weekly because there's two issues a month at this point and if you would have told me five years ago that I would be excited about Brian Michael Bendis taking over Superman I would have told you you were insane and yet it's March 2018 and that's where we are and and I know Scott is as excited as I am that the red trunks are back uh, starting yes I am thousand so it's, you know, at some point, you know, I, I read all of the New 52 stuff. And there were stories that were kind of enjoyable, but it seemed like DC was doing everything in their power to kind of strip away the things that I loved about the character. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And then slowly but surely, they started adding all the stuff back. And it's kind of funny because in 2011 it was like, well, Superman needs to be young and, you know, kind of edgy and, and you know, people can relate to that. But the Superman that's selling right now, because he's a top 50 book, both action and Superman are always in the top 50. It's the older Superman who's married and has a kid and has a certain level of presence and self-confidence and he isn't whining about everything. He's just in there to get the job done. So uh, I I have just I have just been loving everything they've been doing. They just uh, Dan Jurgens just wrapped up a a Booster Gold Superman team up storyline that was really good that bounced around time and involved Krypton and General Zod and the Eradicator and it was just uh, it's just so good. I I am so looking forward to what's coming up in those books. Eradicator. <laughs> Yeah, every time I, I read Eradicator, I hear Bruce Campbell and see him in that ski mask uh, playing squash. Eradicator! Sleeping on the squash court until his <laughs> opponent shows up. <laughs> Do you sleep here overnight? <laughs> but yeah, that's my Freaky Five. It's nothing I'll, I'll do anytime soon just because I've got a number of other reading projects going on. But uh, I might I might have to delve back into uh, present day Superman and, and give it a, another look because I read whatever I, I couldn't quote you the rhyme and verse what issues it, it was. But the there was a couple of issues that were recommended to me. And I want to say it was Aaron Henley. I think I, it I was Aaron was Henley because I remember yeah. reading that on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, and at his suggestion, um, I read starting. It was like starting at a particular issue. It was like post 
whatever the the event that that supposedly brought back you know the quote unquote real Superman or the you know mm-hmm. the, the the from crisis to crisis era Superman whatever whatever that event was called, and uh, and I read the first two issues that were post that, and the first issue kind of brings you up to speed. It kind of recaps where we're at, and it kind of kind of recaps like the new origin of this Superman. Mm -hmm. And I didn't hate it. I mean, I, I, there were actually a lot of things I liked about it. Um, but it, unfortunately it just, it wasn't enough to, to make me sign on and go, okay, I'm, I'm with this now. It was more like a, well, you know, that was okay, but I don't think so kind of thing. But there was a lot of stuff I liked about it that I guess, Ultimately, the the only real negative I had walking away from it was that at, at that time he still wasn't in what what I consider the proper costumes. That bu- you know bugged me a bit, but also it was kind of the you know and I and I don't really mean this in a disparaging way, but it was kind of the the half-assing as far as the origin goes. Where in an attempt, what what felt to me like in an attempt to please everybody, they weren't committing to any one incarnation or iteration of Superman. They were trying to kind of hit every beat. So Krypton was this weird amalgamation of basically every comic book Krypton that we've had, you know, since Superman came up. So it was, you know, there were people that were dressed like John Burns Kryptonians, but then there were also people that were dressed like, um, you know, like the, the secret origin version and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, last whatever that that i'm trying to remember the name of that series that or you know the storyline that was going on right about the time i finally gave up new krypton that was it yeah new krypton you know what i mean so it was it was i i understood what they were going for that they were that they were trying to throw a bone to everybody and i did appreciate that that's why i didn't go oh this is just stupid i mean i appreciated what they were trying to do but at the same rate it was just one of those things that was like "Eh, you know pick pick one you know kind of thing so but uh i don't know the fact that it honestly does feel like they're trying yeah i I think there's a fine line between your pandering to me and your honestly trying to woo me back I, i think there's a fine line there and i in this particular case i i do feel like it's it's more the latter like they really are trying you know, to, to write some wrongs. And, and I appreciate that. And, you know, the, uh, you know, bringing back the trunks is a, is a huge one for me. So, yeah, I, so, you know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it to, to see, you know, how it, how it turns out and where it goes and everything. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Cause like I say, I, I read those issues at Aaron's suggestion and, and kind of dug, I would say I, I dug a good three, three quarters of it. You know, it just wasn't enough at the time for me to to say, hey, okay, I'm back, you know. So, but I've definitely been keeping an eye out and trying to keep an open mind about it. So, there we go. The, the way All right, I anyway, explain, my... Uh-huh. I just wanted to add one more thing. The, the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The way I, I, I have been talking about it is that at the beginning of Rebirth, if they would have just completely and utterly just drew the line and said, okay, now he's back and he has the trunks and Lois is there and all that... If they if they had done that, it would have felt really hollow. But the fact that they've stretched this out and now that they're getting to the point where they're back to the more traditional version, 
it feels like okay we know we screwed up we can't fix everything right now but give us a give us a little time and we'll be back to good and that's kind of how i feel like they've been handling it and i think it's actually been the best thing for them because whenever you go right back to it it feels like it, it doesn't feel real if that makes any sense like right. you, you've you've basically like oh that none of that ever happened and it's just like no it 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 did i i read those issues and and i didn't like them but now that they've kind of they're they're doing some jiggery pokery with the with the timeline and Doomsday Clock is playing into that a little bit too. I, I really think like DC has realized we have gone as far away from what people re, uh, respond to with these characters, and now we got to go back a little bit. And right. there's they still have like their weird labels. They've got like this metal storyline, which I'm not really paying attention to, and they've got a couple other imprints that they're starting up where they can go do their weird stuff. But, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, just give me the traditional Superman, and that's what they've been doing. Well, one thing I, I really liked is that they didn't just push a reset button, as you mm -hmm. say. I, I like that there are elements where you can see that even though all this weirdness has been going on, that... Superman's personal story has progressed in the interim. And I really like that they kept the sun. That was one of the things that if, if I come back in, that's going to be one of the big hooks for me because there's, there's honestly, there's not a lot of, of Superman from the post infinite crisis uh, era that I like, but that was one thing I really liked was that, you know, they, they had a son and I really liked that whole story. Unfortunately, you know, with with how things played out with publishing dates and just all that screwiness and everything, it was, you know, they were giving me something I liked, but it was hard to like it because it was they weren't being consistent. You know, the whole Last Sun thing, you know, was was such a fiasco with you know the publishing screwiness and all that. But I liked kind of where that was going at the time. I liked the dynamic of you know. Lois and Clark as parents and everything. So that was, that was definitely something that interested me because, you know, I, that's one of those things I, I always kind of gravitate to anyway in comics is when it feels like the narrative is finally moving forward. I I've always gravitated towards that. That's why my favorite uh, era of Spider-Man is, you know, the, the period just prior to and just after he first got married because it felt like, okay, this, this character's finally maturing. He's finally getting his life together, you know, and he finally felt like a, like he was, you know, in his late twenties, early thirties. And I kind of liked that. And that's, I guess that's one of those reasons why it always really boggles my mind that there's not more Spider-Man fans that, that gravitate to that iteration of the character that, that want to keep him perpetually stuck as a 15 year old high school student. I just don't get that. But that that's those are always the stories that I think interest me the most with these characters is where it feels like they're they're finally moving forward and, and getting unstuck from the middle of the story, you know, being perpetually you know, it's like like Blondie syndrome, you know, where they never age and they never progress. It's always, you know, this this one static thing. I I, I tire of that after a while. There's only so much and, you can do with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's just variations you know, so. on a theme. 
yeah. and people grow and up so also so that's something you identify with you know yeah absolutely you know especially when you feel like you know in the case of spider-man that they've kind of sort of grown up with you right you know so when they when they just keep pushing the reset button that's that's what makes it doubly annoying for me it's like well i just watched this character struggle through all this and grow up and 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 get married and now you just want to go ahead and and push a reset button well well that sucks you know i what about all the time i i spent invested in this watching this character move forward so you know they did that with spider-man but thank goodness you know while you know i I may have my hang-ups with with superman present day that's that's one of the things you know one of the good things i think to come out out of all this is that they didn't just push you know totally push the reset button that they kept things that you know i I guess other people must agree that that were working you know because i felt like that one element was really working well you know superman as father i thought that was kind of cool and uh and it's nice to see that that's you know apparently going to stick around so yeah so like i say i'm I'm keeping an eye on it to to see where things go i'm uh, definitely going to check out uh action 1000 you know just to see how that's going and everything so i don't know but anyway my list on this one oh my goodness this one's going to be rambly like crazy so i'm gonna i'm gonna apologize ahead of time but uh see if you can follow my my train of uh thought here oh, on this jesus so yeah here we go so uh, number five on the list. Now, I uh, way back when you guys may remember that uh, I was a big fan of Dynamite Comics, um, the Shadow series that they were doing. It was uh, Garth Ennis was uh, was the writer and the early issues of that. And I went back and I reread that a while ago because I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't remember had I actually finished the entire series on that or not. So I went back and reread it. And in reading that, it led me to some other books and some other places, one of which being a crossover series that uh, Dynamite did called Masks, in which a number of masked heroes uh, all crossed over with each other for this one event. So they basically all teamed up. And it was the Shadow and the Green Hornets and Zorro and, uh, and uh, all these different characters well, what was really neat is as the story went along and as the story progressed, they just kept bringing in more and more and more characters into the thing. And they ended up bringing in some characters. I'm like, I don't even know who the hell this person is, but he's kind of cool. And one of the ones that really uh, kind of struck a chord with me was this one called uh, the Black Terror, who I recognized him in just kind of that like vague, I've seen this guy around, I think he's a Golden Age character kind of way. And the art in the Masks crossover was actually done by um, by Alex Ross, or at least the, the I think the first issue was, and then beyond that, I think it was just covers. Uh, I don't think he did art beyond the first issue. I could be wrong. But anyway, he his model for the Black Terror very much reminded me of his model of Superman that he uses in all of his, you know, painted projects and everything. And it's probably the same model. So the Black Terror was weird for me because he he reminded me of Superman in a lot of ways. He's a very Superman-like character, but he's he's also um he he's almost like uh like Nightwing from you know from when Superman used to be you know, Nightwing, you know, they had the team of Nightwing and Flamebird. 
because he was he was Superman through a, a bit of a darker filter, but he had like Superman-like powers, but more of a of a straight-up vigilante. But anyway, he really intrigued me, so I was looking into that character, uh, just kind of learning more about him, and I saw that he was in another project or another uh, series called Project Superpowers. And that really rang a bell with me. I remember when that came out and how hyped it was and everything and what a big deal it was at the time it came out. And I had some issues of that, so I tracked down the other issues to, to get the whole series and sat down and read that. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good stuff. So Project Superpowers was a series that um, Dynamite did where all of these golden age characters um, and I think they've all fallen into public domain if I'm not mistaken but it was a bunch of golden age characters like uh, the Black Terror and the Green Llama and just these really obscure golden age characters at one point they had been betrayed by one of their own who in an attempt to basically cure the world and to stop the spread of evil started to contain all of these heroes in uh, this vessel this jar that was essentially like like Pandora's box so basically he was trying to put evil back in Pandora's box well if you know the story of, of Pandora's box part of that whole story was that as well as the evil being in the box there was also hope in the box. So he was putting the, his fellow heroes in there too to try to remove evil from the world, but also put hope back in At least this was my interpretation of it. So they had been stuck in this vessel, in this Pandora's box for decades, since the Golden Age, essentially. And now something happens and they get released into the modern world and you've got like dozens and dozens of all these golden age characters that have now re-emerged from pandora's box into the modern world and a lot of their powers have changed and mutated and everything and they've got to basically deal with being resurrected and being brought back into the modern world and it was interesting um it it was a little hard to follow in parts because uh, one problem that Dynamite has with a lot of its series is sometimes they just move too damn fast. In an effort to to keep you engaged and, and to keep you interested and, and really uh, ramp up the action uh, aspects of the series, sometimes they just move a little bit too fast and, and it's it can be really easy to kind of lose the, the pace and the narrative of the story. So that was really my only criticism, but the art was, was very... Uh, very good uh, in all the, the different series and it had a number of different crossovers and such and then it spun out into a bunch of series where some of the breakout characters from Project Superpowers got their own books so like the Black Terror had a book, the Black Bat, the Owl and all these different characters and so I was on a big old read through of reading all these different characters and, uh, and some of them were really good I, I particularly liked the Spider I thought was a really good one so that, that was a project that actually took me several months. And uh, because of that, that brings me to my number four, because I got so into reading all these different Dynamite books, I started paying attention to the advertisements that they had going on uh, in the pages of their magazines for other books that they were advertising and paying attention to 
the writers and and who was writing these different series. And if I liked a particular writer, then I would follow them to some of the other Dynamite series. And that's what led me to uh, Warlord of Mars. So for the first time in my life, I actually gave a serious shit about John Carter. And that was a really good book. Uh, It was just called Warlord of Mars. And that was really good. And I liked the whole nature of it is that they were adapting, supposedly, the actual... That was going to be my question. Yeah, the Edgar Rice Burroughs stories. And I liked that so much that that led me to Lord of the Jungle, which was what I liked about these was that they were they were new takes on classic characters that were still respectful of the source material, but in order to kind of distance themselves from any pre uh, you know pre conceptions that you might have of the characters or any prejudice you might have against the characters they dropped the actual name. So like Warlord of Mars was called that and not John Carter. Like Tarzan was called Lord of the Jungle, not Tarzan. So you went into it with kind of a, a, hopefully a fresh idea about these characters that kind of removed some of those preconceptions. Sort of like what Greystoke And those were both, yeah, very much so. By calling him Greystoke instead of Tarzan. Yeah, and those uh, those were both really good reads. Lord of the Jungle, unfortunately, didn't last very long. I, I don't even think it lasted a full 12 issues. Warlord of Mars ran for a good number of issues and then um, is has got another series, a volume two, which I've just started to read. But they converged in a miniseries that I'm working on right now called uh, Lords of Mars, where Tarzan actually winds up on Mars and winds up um, it, it's almost like your classic Marvel team up where they're they're on opposite ends. And what I like about it so far is that I'm two or three issues into it. They haven't met yet, but they've spent a lot of time building the story to where when they finally meet, it's going to be epic because Tarzan, without having ever met the guy, is convinced that he's bad and he's got to take him down. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be that's going to be good stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, number three, so I was on a massive read-through of everything Marvel, essentially, starting with Fantastic Four number one, and I was going year by year reading Marvel comics, pretty much everything superhero-related. And I was doing pretty good, and I was going right along, but I got bogged down, and I can't tell you what particular year it was, but I started to get bogged down with just, there were certain titles I was really enjoying, and then there were other titles, X-Men being one, where I was just like, oh my god, this is such a slog to get through these. And I got to a particular storyline in Amazing Spider-Man that I started skipping all the other books just to continue reading Spider-Man. And the next thing you know... Uh, I just blew through the first hundred issues of Amazing Spider-Man. So I've kind of, for the moment, kind of abandoned the read-through of the complete Marvel Universe. I'm just focusing on Spider-Man, but I'm having such a good time on it. I'm just going to keep going. So I'm up now to issue, like, I don't know, like 110 or something like that. But while I've always liked Spider-Man, and I have read a hell of a lot of Spider-Man, I don't think I'd ever... Well, I know for a fact there's certain issues in that first hundred issues I'd never read before, but also I don't think I've ever read Spider-Man that chronologically before. It was always one of those, I'd read this saga, and I'd read that saga, but as far as like sitting down and actually following the progression of the character for the first hundred issues, that was really cool. That, that's that been a lot of fun, and I'm just going to keep going on that, so... That's uh, that's kind of an ongoing right now. I'm still doing that one. Uh, number two, 
this is a series that you can hear me talk about uh, on a fairly recent episode of Back to the Bins. I covered an issue of this series called Dreamer. And I stumbled across this as I was arranging and rearranging and cleaning out my vast collection of digital comics because I bought myself a nice big uh, couple terabyte hard drive and I dumped all of my comics onto it, all my digital comics onto it. And then I was going through and trying to you know, get everything in, in some sort of order in there. And as I was going through and I was cleaning out and everything, I had collected digital comics this much the same way I collected you know, paper comics where I would just download huge torrents full of comics with the intention of, ah, one day I'll go through and I'll weed out the ones I don't want or whatever. So I'm going through and I'm doing that. And I came across this one uh, called The Dreamer. And I opened it up and it's, by, by first glance, it very much appears to be just like a teen, you know, like like something intended for like a teen girl, like a like a historical romance thing. And I don't know what kept me from just hitting the delete button right there and then, but I opened it up and I started flipping through it. The next thing you know, I got totally hooked and sucked into this book. And it's been one of the best reads I've read in comics in in a good long while. I'm not going to go on and on about it too much because, like I said, I did an entire episode about this on Back to the Bins recently. So if you want to hear more about uh, Dreamer, hunt up that episode. Um, I thought it was a really good one, so check that out. Lastly, you know, it's funny. The longer you stick around in comics, and I don't know, I'm really curious, Mike, if you'll agree with me on this, but the longer it seems like I stick around in comics and read comics, the more I'm sometimes struck with things that I once could not have cared less about now all of a sudden I've come full circle and I've come back and I'm like, wow, I'm really interested in this now. And and you end up discovering something that maybe when you were a kid or 10 years ago or whatever, you were just like, you know, you stuck your nose up and was like, I'll never get into that. I could care less about that. Um, one of those for me, and, and this is, you know, I arranged this list in this specific order because this is the one that has most uh, fascinated me. I ended up getting into it big time was Red Sonia by dynamite comics the the first issue or excuse me the first series ran 80 issues and i blew through those 80 issues i couldn't get enough of it i thought it was really really good stuff and i don't even know how i got into it i was i I guess i was just thumbing through an issue that uh that just kind of caught my attention i'm like this this actually sounds really cool It it was like recapping her origin or something like that so I went all the way back to the to the first issue and started reading and got totally sucked in. And the next thing you know, I'd burned through the entire first series, all 80 issues of it. And the first series ends uh, right about the time that she was a character appearing in a big crossover event that Dynamite did called Prophecy. And I'd seen the advertisements for Prophecy for a long time and thought it always looked really neat just because of the very weird sounding nature of the thing with the different um, characters that they had all crossing over into it. Because I can remember the the advertisements for it had like, um, I think it was like Dracula and Alan Quartermain and, oh God, who else? Uh, Vampirella and Dorian Gray and all these like really you know diverse characters in there and i ended up reading that and absolutely loving it because it was 
on the surface of it, I, I thought Is it might Abraham be something Lincoln like there? a... No, but that would have been awesome. <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, here's the advertisement here. This is just some of the characters that, that appear in the first issue. It was Vampirella, Red Sonia, Kulan Gath, Dracula, the Reanimator, which was really cool. You mean Herbert uh, West? Like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, guess who he ends up teaming up with in there? Barbarella? Nope. Or Vampirella? Ash. Oh, oh. Ash is in there too. <laughs> okay. Um, pa uh, Pantha, Athena, Dorian Gray, Eva, uh, Alan Quartermain, and then later on in the series, uh, Sherlock Holmes is in there. Um, God, I'm trying to remember who else, but it had all these great characters. And it was a seven-issue series that I felt like they actually could have sp really spread it out and made it go on longer. It seven doesn't like a, sound like enough with, it, with all those characters. With yeah, all those that was characters. that was the thing. It, it reads really well. It's 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 not it's not terribly rushed, but they could have spent a lot more time to give you more of the fun mashups because uh, you know Ash uh, does show up in there. He plays a pretty cool part. But it was it was really cool. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I tell you, I I have been reading the hell out of some dynamite comics. Um, just this little read through project I started has led me all over the place. I, I discovered uh, the Highlander series that Dynamite did a number of years ago. There was a Terminator series they did that started good and then kind of petered out. But the Highlander one was fantastic all, all the way through. So, yeah, some really good stuff. But I've been reading the hell out of Dynamite. I, I've really enjoyed most of their catalog that I've read so far. But the only thing I've I've read of theirs so far that, that left me a little cold and I'd heard such good things about it was um, they did a number of different Green Hornet series. And I really enjoyed all of them until I got to the Mark Wade one, which I'd heard such good things about. So I was really looking forward to the Mark Wade series because I had enjoyed all the other series so much. And then the Mark Wade one kind of sucked, I gotta say. It really wasn't very good, which was kind of sad. But uh, if you want to read some some really cool and interesting um, Green Hornet-related stuff, the two Cato miniseries that they did were great. Actually, I think one of them was a series that just didn't last very long. I think it was a regular series. It was just called Cato. And then there was another one called Cato Origins. And uh, man, they were really, really good. So, you know, all this weird shit that I'm reading that, you know, five, ten years ago, if you'd have told me, hey, this would be your top five list, I'd been like, I don't give a shit about any of those books. <laughs> but there you go. I got sucked into all of them, and they're actually all really, really good. So, there you go. There's my very rambly list of what the hell I've been doing during our interim. Well, when I heard Red Sonja, I'm like, going like, racking my brain, going, what in Red Sonja? What in a comic book that stars... A big boobed redhead in a bikini could possibly garner Gardner's interest. See, How weird that he would like that book. The thing about Red Sonia, though, is that her her origin is so messed up. All that matters to Gardner is he's like, I'm the one who could defeat her in battle. I could defeat. Yeah, her but, in but, but, but think about how messed. I, I mean. On a certain level, you can kind of understand it, but on another level, it's just like I was I was violated, and the only man I will ever marry is the one that will that can reenact that. I can't that. kill. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's a little are those the were those the gail simone books that you read no she's she did the second series which i've just started reading i gotta be honest i haven't dug it too much so far i was really looking forward to her take because i generally like gail simone but she i hate to say this she doesn't feel to me i mean based on the now granted I've only read just the first series, so I'm not I'm no expert on the character of Red Sonia, but just based on the character I was just reading in those first 80 issues of the first series, her take on Red Sonia doesn't feel like the same character to me because the thing I really liked about her in those, you know, in that first series was that she's She's tough as nails. She's a mercenary. She's out for herself, but at the same rate, you know, she she's, you know, got a good heart. You know, she she stands by, you know, the the friends and the people that you know that she calls her friends and and comes to treat his family and such. And then in the Gail Simone one, she just there's not any kind way to say it. She's just a bitch. She's not really likable. Whereas I find I found her very likable in the original series. That was one of the things that that made me follow the character was that she, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's like, you know, she does have a messed up origin and you can see where she's trying to be bigger than her origin, if you know what I mean. She She's trying not to like let that be what defines her and still trying to do the right thing and, and, and kind of eke out an existence for herself in, you know, this this weird world that she lives in. And, and doing it through, you know, being a mercenary and a thief and, and stuff like that. But she has a certain, I, I guess, code of honor is really what I'm getting at. She has a certain code of honor about her. And the Gail Simone one, at least so far, I, I forget how many issues I'm into that, but I just, I haven't been digging it as much. She just, she has substituted character and, and likability and, and a code of honor for just this like hard really, edge. yeah, she's very... Well, I mean, I can even deal with the hard edge thing, but she's just she's just flat unlikable. She's she's a bitch. She um she she just likes wants to war on everything and everybody. She she doesn't really I don't know, she's just not a, she's not writing her as an appealing character. There's there's something different. She's I can't quite, Yeah, she's very angry, she's very bitter. Um It's been so long yeah. since I read a red Sonya. I like I don't think I read Read, I, I think I bought like the first three issues when Marvel came out with the Red Sonya comic. Right, I remember those. I'd never read. I think the only I remember she was like I had... basically Conan, the, a female, uh, like much. I, it was more appealing to me because it's like, oh, it's Conan the Barbarian, but it's a woman in a bikini. <laughs> Right. It up the up. the only exposure I think I'd ever had to the character before I started reading the Dynamite series was there was an issue of uh, of Marvel Team Up drawn by John Byrne where um, Spider Man he's like goes to a museum or something and I remember Mary Jane ends up turning into Red Sonia like she channels the spirit of Red Sonia or something like that and they battle Kulan Gath. And that's all I could remember. And I, that that is, I think, my sole exposure to the character prior to, to reading this series. Yeah, so there probably wasn't that much of the character. It was probably just yeah, like, there, what, what, what is going on, mortals? Or, you know, or, right. why am I here? Oh, blah, fight. And then you fought well and then gone. If it but was I, a normal Marvel team up. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. It was. I thought it was, it was really well written. Um, 
it was it was smart. You know, it was intelligently written. It was it was good stuff. That's it, what it, I like. Well, that's what I liked about Marvel Team Up, though. Is is I liked it when it was smart and when it was stupid. When it was stupid, no, I mean it, the I mean the I'm talking the the Red Sony. So I don't oh. <laughs> not not the Marvel Team Up stuff. Oh, I thought you said it was a Marvel team up with Red Sonia and Spider Man. Well, that's what I'm saying. That that was my. I think that was my sole exposure to the character right. prior oh, okay. to discovering her yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in this Dynamite series. So I, I really didn't know anything about the character going into the series, which is, I think, one well, of the things that the really team helped. Up was like intelligently it. written, and I'm like, well, maybe. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, that was that was probably thirty something years ago. Mm-hmm. I read that. Mm-hmm. I have not read it, you know, in all these years since. But anyway, that was my list. You know what I remember most about Red Sonia comics? Putting that... tracing paper over it so I could see what she looked like <laughs> naked. <laughs> that's honestly what I remember most about. That's sorry that comic came you, out. You, during... you know, everyone tells me that growing up in the seventies was so much better than growing up in the eighties. Listening to this now, I'm not quite. I'm not quite convinced. <laughs> this was the eighties, and the, you know, I'm, so, okay. I'm sorry that Red Sonia number one came out. At the same time that puberty came out for Chris Honeywell, but that's how it—that's how our paths met. Well, paths. you know, another thing that uh, that that Dynamite Comics really has going for it is that uh, you know they really got heavy into the, um, what do you call it? The uh, ah, the you know the covers there. What do you call it? The um, the incentive covers. So they would come out with multiple covers for a lot of their issues. Uh, especially the ones that were more female, like had more like lusty female characters in them, more you know, like skin. Red, Red Sonia or yeah, more skin. Yeah. Or uh, you know, in in John Carter, there's his wife, uh, Deja Thoris. So there's a lot of issues of both Red Sonia and Warlord of Mars that have uh, what they call risque incentive covers, <laughs> which are covers. Just, you know, Topless, yeah, topless covers. Oh, geez, as as the incentive covers. So yeah, some of those are are, are very well done, very artfully. Well done, done sir. Well done. Reminds <laughs> me of the London Night books from the nineties. What is that? I haven't heard of that. It was a it was a publisher that did uh, Bad Girl comics, uh, and they would have nude variants that you can order. Right. And my, and my buddy owned a comic shop for a brief period in '96, and I would help him unpack the books. And one of the guys always ordered them, and basically they <laughs> it, it it looked like they just got some low rent strippers and took pictures of them naked, dressed somewhat like the characters <laughs> in the books, and uh, airbrushing right. apparently was a uh, was beyond their their uh, their budget. So, and I just remember looking through them going, he, he gets these every month, every month. I'm like, wow, there's better porn out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know there is. <laughs> yeah, it's sad that he's living in another time, you know, when <laughs> when you have I to... remember when those were a huge thing in the 90s, though, because I can remember there was, uh, what was it, Lightning Comics, I think, had uh, Mike Diodato. I don't know if he started doing that, if that was the beginnings of his career, but I remember he did a lot of those those covers of... God, I can't remember the characters. There was a character that he did. I don't know how many times people have to figure out that naked women make magazines sell more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's just been... Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm and, trying to and remember if you what have... the hell name of that was. 
<laughs> and uh, oh, anybody who's interested, anybody who's interested, you can uh, if you're over 21, you can uh, download the naked variation of Comics Monthly Monday, which is exactly <laughs> like this one, except we're just naked while we record it. But the the right, true fans can not, tell the difference. It is oh. not Mike Diodato. It is Ivan Reese. But damn, does he look like Mike Diodato? His artwork, I mean. But it was a it was a character called Helena. H e l l double l. Helena by Lightning Comics, and they they frequently had um, had nudie variants. But yeah, that was a that was a. I can remember that being a big thing because I can remember getting into discussions with the guy that ran the the comic shop I went to at the time where basically it was him and his mother ran the shop. And I can remember talking to him sometimes when there was nobody else in the shop and him bitching about, you know, how many basically porno comics there were, but they sold. That was the thing is he kept, he kept, you know, he bitched that he had to order them, but he ordered them because they sold. But it, yeah, it keeps mom in her oval teen. So we got to sell them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh, they, I remember they tried that with the SpongeBob comics and it didn't go over too well. Here you go. I'm going to send you an image here cuz this this oh, this geez. gets right to this gets right to the heart of the matter right here. <laughs> Look at the name of the issue. What the hell? Why does it say it's been re Okay, hang on. I don't see nothing. Hang on. Why did it stop? That's weird. Are my eyes going to melt out of my send, head? It's not going to let me send dirty books through the Skype chat. Oh, here it is. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Double impact. <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that nice. means what they think it means. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> High Impact Studios Nude Special Number Zero. Double impact. <laughs> classy. I like classy I just don't books. understand if you're going to paint boobs why you would paint fake boobs. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's well, just, you have to understand that the guys that are doing school. these probably never actually right. probably probably not didn't see the real ones, right. you know. Right. So as long as they somewhat line up with, with the biology textbook they saw earlier, it's, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Here you go. Take a look at this one and tell me that this does not look like Mike Diodato to you, because I swear that's who I thought this was until I, I read the signature on it. No, the... Ivan Reese. Why does that name ring a bell to me? Ivan He's, Reese. He's uh, he he drew Blackest Night. Mike Diodato's he got drew, smaller okay. boobs than that. Uh, he drew. <laughs> he did the first uh, like ten or so issues of the Aquaman book in the New Fifty Two that was that's really good. Right. Yeah, that's right. And he's going to be drawing uh, some of uh, Bendis's Superman stuff. But look at that picture I just sent you. Tell me that that yeah. doesn't look like Mike Diodato. Because that reminds it me does. of, um, what's her name? The Enchantress, as drawn by Diodato, right at the end of Thor Volume 1. That's what that reminds me of. Oh, right. <laughs> so what else we got? Well, I've noticed you guys are, uh, and this is a blatant plug, but who wouldn't want to go through the comic collections of Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner? <laughs> and it seems like people are finally getting the chance. You guys have been just like 
going through like Persian stuff lately. I I understand. I'm feeling the same need. I wonder if it's an age thing with collectors. I wonder if it's like I've climbed the mountain sort of thing because, like, I'm just ready to like dump a lot of. I'm not ready to stop ever getting any <laughs> anything new, but. Do do you think it's an age thing or do you think it's maybe like uh, just like wanting space or it's a lot Uh, of things. I'm I'm curious to hear. Yeah, I want to hear Mike's reasons first. Uh, I was sitting there talking to my dad uh, a a couple about a month or so back and I told him I, I was I was selling off my books and it surprised him because he knows how much I love comics and one of the things I said to him, it's like, I, it's not that I've lost a love of the game. I still love the stories and I still love the characters. I just don't want to be a hoarder anymore. And it, it's, it's, it's a bunch of things all coming together. One, I realized that for a long time I was just buying books to buy them. Like, ooh, look, a full run of cable in the 50 cent box. I must own this because it is only 50 cents an mm-hmm. issue. Mm, and then feeling. 10 years later, you're like, wow, I've got an entire box of cable books I'm never going to read. Uh, and, and, and I think part of it, too, is, you know, I, I, you know, everyone's different. Everyone goes on a different journey. But for me, it's really weird after 30 years of, of collecting comics. And I know you guys have been doing it longer, but for me, I, I passed the 30-year mark last year. Well, once uh, you start getting into those multi-decades, I don't think it really, like, <laughs> you know, starts to matter as much, you know. But I realized that the things that I were enjoying now was just focusing on like like the only two new books I buy now are Superman and Action Comics. Uh, and it's kind of weird because back in 1988, the only books I really bought on a regular basis were Superman and Adventures of Superman. So it's kind of weird to come full circle like that. But it's just, I feel like on one level, I've, uh, I, I, I've done my time. I, I've read thousands of comics. I've read thousands of different books. I've gone through entire runs of characters. And on the other hand, I just, I, I, they take up too much room, especially when you have a collection. Yeah. And and these days, like everything that you have in those boxes, even if you sell it, you still have the knowledge that it's floating. Or like, if you ever want to look at it, you could just pop it up on uh, internet or you know it's on you know the they either have it up or you can find a cbr of it or something or you know it's it it not back you know 20 years ago that wasn't the case 20 years ago you got mm-hmm. rid of your comics you'd have to buy them back to or 30 years ago or what or either way so i think m- maybe that helps factor into it is like you could get yourself a a two gigabyte hard drive and have all those boxes sitting in that little palm of your hand and and and, you know on on comic the comicsology side of things they're constantly having sales uh good sales like right around christmas time comicsology had every dc trade paperback for like five uh 4.99 so i bought the nightfall trade paperback that's like 500 pages for five bucks and it's on my tablet and we really got to find the audio, Scott, of you and I saying we're never going digital uh, just so we can play it and laugh <laughs> at it. Um, I'm dead serious about that. But it's just I, I think 
because we're in the age we're in, and I think because of the age I am, that, you know, I want to have the comics that I want to own, I want them to mean something to me. Yeah. I want them to be like, like, you know, some the books that I'm keeping are books friends gave to me or something that I just absolutely loved when I was 13 years old or my Superman books. You know, it's, I was talking to Rachel uh, a couple uh, sometime back and she's like, are you going to sell your Superman books? I'm like, they're the only things I've had with me through my, you know, from the time I was 11 to now, you know, a lot of the stuff from, the house I grew up in is either gone or my sisters have them because they had a, they had more uh, stable living conditions when I was uh, when we sold the house and I didn't. So you know they're mementos, they're artifacts, they're things that I love because they mean something to me. And really, that's where I want to be. I want to like I. I'm selling my new Teen Titans comics, but at the same time, I'm buying the trade paperbacks of that material. So if I ever want to read it, it's right there on the shelf. But it's just not taking up space. You know, the money is part of it, but I think it's more of a mental health thing at this point with me, where I'm just, I, I'm getting out of this hoarding and this impulse buying and just kind of taking control of my life back. I mean, getting I never, more to the was, root of what what you like about it rather than having yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, it's like I, I was never in danger of losing the house. I was never in danger of losing my job. It's not like I was an addict, you know. But I think there's an addictive quality to buying comics where when, back in April of last year, uh, Rachel and I went down to Orlando and hung out with a bunch of people. And one of the things I did while I was down there was go to the go to one of the comic shops in the area because that's what I always did, and I went to it and I looked around and I bought like a couple things, but I realized I wasn't really on the hunt like I used to be. Like going to mm. a comic shop in another town would be like this big event, and to me it was just like I found a couple Silver Age Superman books that I wanted, uh, but it wasn't like you know this 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 grand experience that it used to be. So and and that's just and. To, to answer your question, I think it is age. I think the older you get, the more, the less you want to have because the less you want to leave behind. The less you need. If that I makes any too. sense. You start thinking about like, what, you know, what do I need to have? And what, yeah. And like, I mean, I still like having my, like my book collection. I, I love having a lot of books and I like collecting things, but in the course of collecting things like I think in your younger year, you, you know, in your twenties to your, through your forties, you, you, you've got this energy. You've usually got a job and a little, little, little disposable cash. And especially with like, you know, you guys with comics, me more so with like garage sailing or something, but you, you know, you can go out with just sort of a handful of spending cash. You don't need huge, massive quantities of cash. And then when you start getting into it, you do, you do, you start buying stuff that you're never going to really, you, you look at it and you go like, I might really care about that someday, or I might be interested. It's just interesting enough and just cheap enough right now that I can take that and put out, put it away for later and not think about it. And then you end up like me with a garage and two rooms packed full of stuff, you know, and 84, you know, uh, long boxes 
and and when you start to slow down a little bit or or whatever you start thinking well all that stuff i don't know if i'm ever gonna get to it or ever care about it you know and it's almost like i'd rather have that extra five square feet of space to put something more useful in or 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 you know display something really cool that i have that sitting in a box right now because there's no room for anything else that's 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 sort of my i'm as far as hoarders go i think i have probably the most hoarder like situation <laughs> probably because i'm not as neat and orderly as as you guys I'll send you a picture of what my comic room looks like at the morning at the moment, and we can discuss that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take. <laughs> so I'll what I what I back what I you. did recently, you uh, you had said you know uh, about us selling off our comics, but here's the thing: I do intend to do that, um, and I intend, quite honestly, to get rid of. I- I'm thinking the bulk of my comics. I mean, the the vast bulk of it, because. I've always said if I if I was going to do it, in order to to do it, I just I just want rid of the damn things. Well, you know I what I mean? Say, so are you going to try I'm to maximize tr- it, or are you going to try to, or you know, are you possibly going to look for another like a a young Scott Gardner who shows up at your door is like, hey, whoa, and like actually like appreciate you know the right guy who appreciates it and give him the right you know kind of deal with him or something like that. Is that- oh, like a like a sell it for you know sell it all at one. No, I mean, I you know I think you I think you were the one that put me onto this. I actually I think it might have been your dad that put me onto this a long time ago with that very first show that we ever went to that that auction that we went to and I, I something that has always stuck with me and I think that's where I got the idea was that if I was ever going to sell off my stuff at that young age I realized auction was probably the very best way to yeah. go you know to to try to maximize it. Now I'm not looking to screw anybody I'm not looking to get, you know, anything, you know, any crazy prices out of anything. I just want, you know, fair, whatever the, the market will, will bear. You know what I mean? Whatever, you know, and I think auction is ultimately the, the fairest way you can go because it tells you honestly, you know, what something's worth because it's what someone is willing to pay for it. Because right. nothing irritates me more. And, and I notice this happens a lot on uh, different Facebook comic book related groups that I'm part of where people will post up some book just like they used to do back in the old days with like Bob Rosakis, where they would post up, you know, Hey, how much is, you know, dirt man number three worth. And I think he was the one that used to say every once in a while, you know, he would answer the question based on overstreet. But then I think he would also throw in, at least from time to time, I seem to recall this where he would say, but honestly, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And that's always been, you know, my motto when it comes to to buying, selling, you know, values. And it's one of the reasons I stopped paying attention to comic book values a long time ago, because ultimately something is only worth what someone's willing to hand to you. And that can be one of the toughest lessons to learn in any collectible, but especially with comics. I think that's one of the things that really almost destroyed comics in the 90s. As a garage trailer, all these speculating asshole what's that as a garage sailor i see that every week oh, you know yeah. so mcgregor and i pull up into someone's house and it's some guy about our you know about 50 years old with his long box of 90s comics just like these were gonna pay for my house 
Yep. <laughs> and he's trying well, to get to 50 a, cents a piece for him, you know? I went to a uh, a garage sale. This was probably a good couple of years ago. And this was about the this was about the garage sale that, that killed me from going to garage sales because I hardly ever go to them anymore. <laughs> Because it was it was the umpteenth time I'd seen this happen, but this was to the ultimate degree where I pulled up. And I know you've had this happen to you where you pull up. They have something really cool. You start handling it and the price on it. You know, it's right at that point where you're like, I don't know. It's a little pricey. You know, if, if they were charging, you know, whatever, you know, a dollar or, or, you know, five bucks less or something, I'd probably get this. But it's just. And then they want to do the, you know, they want to throw eBay at, you know, I yep. looked that up on eBay and it's worth blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, dude, it's not worth shit until I'm willing to pay that or someone is. Anyway, I went to this, this. And it's uh, worth that on eBay sale. minus the eBay price, minus your time taking yep. the pictures of it, minus your PayPal yep. price. So that means. And, it, and, and about, is that what? Cut that it about 40%. Asking? Yeah. Is that what someone's asking for it on eBay, yeah. or did you find auctions that actually ended and that was the price? Well, that's that they do both of those so, things, but either way, yeah. So this one, this one that I went to, the one that finally broke me, this guy had tons of really cool shit. I mean, really great stuff, and every single one of them he had printed out the same item from ebay on auction had printed it out and had taped it to the item yeah, i've seen that and i asked him at one point and i said are, are so are these up on ebay right now no 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 i found those on ebay that's what they're worth and i was just at that point i was like it's not even worth me trying to educate this idiot yep i just i walked away at that point and i'm like you know i think i'm done with because this I, I had had the eBay thing thrown in my face so many times, but this was this was the one this was the worst example I'd ever seen of it where this fool had spent all this time that he could have just gone ahead and listed the shit on eBay. No, no, instead he was gonna go through eBay, find the identical item, print it out, and then tape it to his item to try to tell you this is what this was worth. And I'm like, no, this not what a to pointless be, exercise. Not to be harsh, but when someone does that, they are declaring, I am an idiot. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and if you argue with me, it's going to be the most pointless, like, soul-crushing mm-hmm. soul yep. experience ever. Because if yep. you try to uh, – I, I, I know because I've tried to be like, you know, if you sell this on eBay and you get this much money, they're going to keep 40% of it. Well, no, they only keep 20%. Yeah, but then PayPal keeps 20%, you know. But but whatever, the, right. and, and then and then they're just like, oh, okay, well, this guy, you know, so they they just are like, okay, well, I'm not going to lower it because I'll get that much from somebody else, and I don't know, maybe there are fools walking around who go like, oh, is that what it goes on for eBay? Okay, I'll I'll buy it here so I don't have to order it for. It's just stupid, and nobody I know. Yep, I'm saving on shipping. The, this summer, <laughs> yeah, right. I plan on just shoveling everything that I have that's that I've gotten at garage hills you know i'll i'll go through it and there'll be stuff that like you know i could get a pretty if i could get a pretty penny on ebay for i'll put that aside but i'm just gonna put the stuff in in piles out there this pile everything's five dollars this one everything's a dollar and then if somebody wants to keep piling stuff up stuff that's five dollars could be like two dollars you know that's how you do a garage sale or you you know i want to start 
doing it this way with the with the, you know and this is what i wish more people would do start with ebay and then mm-hmm. go to the garage sale yeah, yeah. if you can't well, get rid of it, you left. Then throw yeah. it out in the yard for a buck or whatever but and then anyway when, when the yard sale's over then you go then you donate it to the orphan whatever's left to the orphans or goodwill or whatever you know or but uh anyway i i I decided that before I want to tackle the comics, because I think there's, I think I'm going to have a tougher, tougher time, or at least I, I initially thought I would have a tougher time getting rid of comics. You know, I mean, like I'm talking like emotionally getting rid of my comics right, than I would. <laughs> yeah. So I decided, all right, well, let's let's do this a different way. So I have boxes and boxes and boxes full of shit all around the house and out in the garage especially that were the stuff that I'm starting to list now. Action figures being a big one. Action figures, um, a lot of promotional stuff. Yeah, because... that's a, that stuff is fun. The ephemera sort of stuff. Yeah, like... it, yeah, that, that's, oh. that, that's a good w- way to put it. Ephemera. By so... the way, I saw that you got 22 bucks for those Jaws 3D glasses. Yeah, can you believe that? That's pretty. That's, that's yes. crazy. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I was, I was looking at them, and I'm like, I've got a pair of them too, but mine are, are just beat to shit. So you know, but and and I sort of you know like them, but they're they're, I mean they're, they're like the lenses are falling out and stuff, and and yours just had like so, a little bend in them, and I'm like, well yeah. maybe somebody might want those if they were in the card or something, but no, you had a little bidding war on it and everything. So did you see the um? lunchbox that i put up the marvel superheroes lunchbox yes so you you may remember this i'm not sure but that lunchbox now i've had that lunchbox it was written on the inside since the fifth grade right that lunchbox for all those years however many years that is has been my junk box that's about been, been about as long as we've known each other actually yes yeah. was it fifth grade that we first started like really hanging out thereabouts yeah so this lunchbox so almost everything that was listed in that first listing on we what because i'm doing this by weeks so i'm calling that week one like the jaws glasses for example the jaws glasses the little fisher price adventure people boat motor um, the Captain America shield, all this weird, like little teeny tiny weird shit was all in that lunchbox. So that lunchbox is a good example of like trying to answer this question. Like, why am I doing this? So I'll, I will freely admit part of this may very well be age based. You and I are about to hit 50 and it's not like I'm experiencing any sort of weird, like, you know, I mean, the stereotype is is the midlife crisis. It's We're not past that, the midlife crisis, but it, baby. It, <laughs> it, it is. It is a. It, it's a certain sense of. I want to declutter my life a little bit. Yes. You know what I mean. Yes. Uh, it, 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 it's it's a very it's a it's a very mixed. It, it's a lot of different reasons. Uh, one of the big reasons for me is that, you know, it's one of those things where every few years I'll pull out one of those boxes and I'll start to go through it. And it's a little walk down memory lane. And I start to ask myself, why the hell have I held on to these Jaws 3D glasses all these years? You know, just as an example. Did you even go to see Jaws 3D? Oh, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, and it and it's one of these things where, oh, you know, what? there's a certain part of your brain that's always, like, oh, one day these will be worth a lot of money. Well, you know, what? what one day am I waiting for? 
You know, am I, is there a certain one day that's, that's a, a, an alarm is supposed to go off and I go, oh, oh, today's the day that I sell all this shit, you know? And I'll be honest with you, part of that, too, was that I, I, I think I need to make that one, I need to choose that one day on my own. So, as you know, not, not very long ago, just a couple of months ago, um, I lost one of my uncles, uh, my uncle Steve, and uh, and I adored my uncle Steve. He was he was a hell of a nice guy, you know, one of the nicest guys I've ever known. You know, just good natured, uh, good natured. He was you know, always a lot good natured. Like yeah, always always in a good mood. A lot a lot like my dad in the aspect of, you know, he would he would drop whatever he had going on to come to your to your need. You know, that kind of person, and. Uh, and I just, you know, I got the call early one morning from my sister that, uh, you know, he went out and he was shoveling his driveway, you know, shoveling snow in his driveway. And uh, now he was dead. And Steve was 58 years old, you know, just nine years older than you and I. And it really hit me hard that here's a guy that, you know, I looked at as the model of health. I didn't know anything was wrong with him. I'm not sure he knew anything was wrong with him. And I'm not trying to be morbid and I'm not trying to bring the room down, but it was one of those things where I started to really look at my life and I'm thinking, you know, if I've only got nine years left, where, where do I want to be in those nine years? And I'll tell you one place I don't want to be. I don't want to, I don't want to hit the end of my life and make stupid life choices. And one of the stupidest life choices I could ever think of, and I, I, and I, re I recognize this as a kid, I think one of the reasons that at the time, it's funny, I was just listening back to an old Comics Monthly Monday where we were talking about Walt Hadley. And as much as I adored the guy, if I'm completely honest with myself, there was also a little there was a little part of me in the back of my mind that I don't think I ever consciously acknowledged until recent years that also re greatly resented the fact that here was a guy who in a weird kind of way, I think you could say kept his family in poverty. You know, he had such an ability or, 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 a, or an opportunity, I should say, to help his struggling family. I mean, you remember the conditions that they lived in. They were not wealthy people. They were not well-off people. Well, unless yeah, you thought about those comics sitting, that were on those, sh just sitting on those shelves. Those Just sitting there. Just sitting there collecting dust. And he had books that went back to the golden age of comics in incredible shape that even back then, 30-some years ago, would have fetched a pretty penny. And really could have done something to better their life condition, you know, the life condition of yeah. his family. Well, I think and there really might have been nothing more, with it. I think there might have been some depression in there, you know. I mean, right. he basically just lived in that room and smoked cigarettes. And I don't know if he drank or anything like that. He was kind of built I, like someone who drank, but that wasn't anything that you and I, I don't remember seeing anything like that. But he had that sort of like. He was a really good artist, too. And right. maybe he hadn't gone anywhere. You know, he had had dreams as an artist or something or maybe whatever. whatever. He seemed like kind of he was kind of broken, you know, 
It seemed like his comics yeah. were the only thing that really brought him any kind of joy, and it seemed like his family was just sort of the people that lived in the other side of the house, you know what I mean, from right. him. And have you ever read his obituary? Yes, I have a wa- a long time ago. I've actually I've got it somewhere like on a hard drive like I saved it. Yeah. My mom sent me the clipping out of the paper and as I was going through all these boxes of shit sitting behind me that's hit about to hit eBay, I chanced across it again and I was reading it. And uh you know nowhere is strangely nowhere in that um God, goddamn dog. Nowhere can you hear that dog barking? A little bit. Uh, nowhere in that uh, write-up did it mention anything about him collecting comics. I was really shocked by that. But well, I mean, that was you know, the main want... thing for us. But like, here's the thing: it's the families write write those. You know, they get that from the family, and the family probably right. wasn't. The only member of his family that had any sort of they, – they probably resented his comics. I would. The only one who sort of seemed to have any interest was uh, – what was his son? Was it Chris, his son? I think that was his, his son's name, Chris. Yeah, that's that sound. Yeah, like, Chris was, Hadley. Because yeah, I remember right. yeah. you were like you were like trying to buy his collection at one time or a good chunk of it. And he it gave them to Chris. Yeah. And he gave them to Chris, yeah. And he yeah. was like, I'm sorry. You know, my son showed interest in it. I have to go with my son first. Yeah. So – so I, but you know, probably the rest of his family was like, yeah, he just hung out with those stupid comics all the time. So that's not. Well, right. I don't remember him. And that you know, that was one of those things too. Is you know, rereading that that obituary was was you know one of those things that I'm thinking, you know, this is what we looked at. You know, you and I as as this guy's, you know, sum total. And he probably did too. I'm thinking, yet it doesn't even make it into the guy's obituary. No, nope. nope. <laughs> you know, obituaries and, are the saddest thing in the world when you read them. You know, no matter how, you know, I mean, like that they print in the paper and stuff. Like, there's obituaries that a family member reads to read at the funeral. But like, you know, my father's obituary was like, I'm like, you can't fit. You can't fit anything about anybody who's done done anything of any, you know. In, into two paragraphs right but yeah i mean so it was it was really for me it's a matter of you know not that i'm I'm planning on going anywhere or anything but it's like you know i've long joked and i and i think that there's some serious you know truth in this jest i've long joked that you know when i'm when i'm dead and gone my wife probably can't wait to get this shit out of the house you know but I think that there's probably a certain amount of truth in that. And I don't mean that like she would do it vindictively or anything, but what the fuck is she going to do Why with 18,000 yeah, comic and, books and boxes upon boxes of action figures and, and ephemera, you know, what is she going to do with that shit? She doesn't know the first thing about it. Doesn't care the first thing about it. It's just clutter and it's in the way. And she's just going to want to get rid of that shit. My kids have shown no interest in any of it. So it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, again, like I said before, you know, like like what day am I waiting for? You know, a lot of this stuff I have quite honestly kept because I did think that there was probably some, you know, some vague price attached, you know, value attached to it. So, you know, what what am I waiting for? Essentially was the thing. Is like, why don't I do this on my terms? If I'm going to get rid of this stuff, 
why why wait until the decision's out of my hand because I'm not here or I'm not of sound mind enough to to do it my way and get something out of it where I can enjoy the benefits of it well, now as opposed to it winds up in the landfill or it winds well, up in yeah, goodwill and, or something like that doing no good for nobody and you know and to get society wise about it it, the trend in society now is not towards having a lot of stuff. You know, there's mm-hmm. not like there, it's it's like there's a big movement of people who want to live in little tiny houses and stuff and just have the bit, you know, it's, I think we're going in more of a minimalism way in a lot of ways. So I don't know if like 20 years from now, anybody's going to want a big room full of comic books when they're like, yeah, you know, I can carry right. around my magic decoder ring. All right. That, you know, which is another reason to get rid of them now, now, you right know? now. Yeah. Now. And, and like now a lot of that stuff that's, that's old to us that, that, that comes from 20 or 30 years, the people who are interested in that. And this, this sounds harsh, but they're getting real old. They're 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 dropping they're like flies, start, yeah. And they're the people they are. who are going to want to read up. those old Roy Rogers comics from their their childhood, you know. So yep. <laughs> sell it now, while although they're seventy years old and they're already like, I'm getting rid of all my stuff too. So well, the the one thing that 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 hopefully is is going to really help a lot with this was that I bought myself a nice big hard drive, and I went out there. And I have scoured everywhere I needed to scour to find a digital copy of every comic, every physical comic that I have. Right. So that when I sell it, it's not like it's gone forever and I can't ever look at it again. You can read you know? it. You can reference it I can it if read you have it. To. I can hold it in my hand. Exactly. So that's going to help tremendously. That project took me months but I finally completed it. I'm, I'm, I, there's maybe, I don't know, I'd have to pull up the folder, but there's maybe like 400, I think. I was not able to find a physical copy of, but they're pretty freaking obscure. You know what I mean? It's not like it was, you know, some action, you know, some copy of Action Comics or something. It was like weird, obscure shit. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. So, but I mean, as far as, you know, I mean, you, at, at this point, if it's mainstream Marvel DC... You can find it. It's out there. It's right. either available through them or it's been scanned it's by somebody. Around, yeah. And knowing that, I went on this mission to back everything up. And I have since completed that task. So at this point, I'm like, what what point is there in having the physical? Do I do I need it? And I I find that I at this point, I don't think I do. I think I can finally bring myself to let go. And I mean, there's certain, I don't know what you'd want to classify it as. I want to say psychological conditions. That makes it sound a little heavier than I, I mean. But there's certain, you know, I've, I've also tried to look into I'm actually sure everybody speaking. who's listening can identify with any of it. Anyway, right. So, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, I've, I've tried to look into this because my wife and I had a fascinating conversation on this a long time ago, like when we were first getting to really know each other and everything about like, why did I, why, why have I gone down this particular path of of collecting? And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, childhood issues, you know, the, you know, my parents splitting up and, you know, that, that childhood trauma I think has led to 
a lot of it for me and and having a problem with letting go it's, it's you know when it's, it comes to physical things from that i associate with with childhood well well and, knowing your 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 past and being a a shitty psychiatrist like lucy and the peanuts well actually no i don't even have to <laughs> use psychological stuff cuz i remember when we were kids and you i mean you got you got um, you got moved from one place to another, all your stuff, you know, when, when, when you're a kid and you have stuff, it's not even your stuff. It's uh, a sense of being in a place and permanence. And all of a sudden that, that kind of changed overnight for you when, when your parents right. were, were split were split up for that time. And that, that makes, that makes the mark. Um, my, my housemate, when she was a kid, her parents, she would go to school and her parents would be like, oh, she's had these toys long enough. They would throw out all her toys. So now we have a house full of toys. Right. You know what I mean? And right. And when I was a kid, I wasn't really allowed to like my, my dad was a junk collector. But, you know, we were not I was I, I you know, I would get an action figure every every now and then and stuff like that. And, it, and, you know, it's like sugar cereal. I wasn't allowed sugar cereal. As soon as I was out of the house every morning, you know, in college, I was like, ah, honeycombs. Ah, I'm going to eat a whole box of honeycombs. Right. And, uh, well, you know, I can remember when, when, the, when the split actually happened with my folks and my mom kind of absconded with me in the middle of the night, you know, to, to get away from, you know, what was then a bad situation. I can remember leaving all my stuff behind, all my toys, and and never seeing them again. And one of the things that at that time was was such a, a beloved thing for me was I had one of those Lone Ranger action figures, which I can't remember what company put it out, but they were very Mego like. You know, they right. were they were a little bigger than Amigo, but you know they had the real clothes and the real belt and the real guns and you know a real vinyl hat and you know all that sort of thing. I love that damn thing. I can hear the commercial one of the, for that in my head right now. Actually. Yeah. And one of the, you know, what was one of the very first things I bought when I started to get serious about collectibles and action figures and all? I sought one out and I bought it. And it has sat on this damn shelf collecting dust for what? You know, 30 years. And it's that sort of thing. So it's it's getting to that point in life where you're like, you know. It served its it, purpose. I, I, it's yeah, exactly. It's like, do I do I need this anymore, or or am I you know am I better you know or whatever you know whatever term you want to use, and that's a lot of it you know. So I mean, it's it's really it's multifaceted, and also, you know, the, uh, you know, my wife and I we're coming up fast on you know being married for twenty five years, and a lot of that has been a real struggle. You know, we've never really had the money to, to go and do anything of real note as far as, you know, travel or anything. It always seems like when our anniversary comes along, we're always really strapped for cash. Cause you know, the holidays are right around the corner and shit like that. And it's like, damn it, you know, wouldn't it be nice, you know, for, for our 25th to really be able to, to, you know, sweep her off her feet and go do something nice, you know, but you know, it's always one of those things. Where the hell are you going to get the money? In the meantime, here I sit on you know eighteen thousand books. You know, so I don't want to be an a Walt Hadley. You know what I mean? I don't want to because I have some weird inability to let go of this shit 
sit here on a, you know, I say this in air quotes, a gold mine at the same time that I struggle to pay bills. That right. just, to me, that's, that's stupid. That is, you know, that's the definition of stupid. And I watched him do that. And like I say, I loved the guy, but there was, and I, it took me a long time to realize that there was also a certain amount of resentment there for that because we knew his daughter in school. And and I always felt really bad for her situation. I always felt bad the way she was she was really horribly mistreated by the other kids and everything. She was literally ca and the Carrie from the book Carrie. Carrie, yes. She was literally Carrie really from the felt, book Carrie. Ex without except she so didn't have the psychic her. powers to get revenge on everybody. Although I'm sure she would have loved to, you know. You know, that's the funny thing. I don't think I don't think she would. My mom right, uh, right. ended up you're... working with her many years later. I forget where, somewhere in Watertown, she worked with her and got to be really good friends with her. And we've stayed in contact over the years. She is the sweetest person. And thank God her life turned out. I mean, because if there was anybody that ever deserved to wind yeah. up in a bell tower shooting people, it yeah. was her. Yeah. But she's the she's the complete opposite of that. She she found herself a good man. She's got good kids, and she's got a super happy life. And she's the sweetest person you'd ever know. So because you know, she was just her, tortured know? through high school, and she, she never she did anything great to word. anybody. Yeah. She never spoke a word unless a teacher like sort of forced her into speaking you know that sort yep. of thing a lot of the kids that got picked on were like the chuck shaws who were kind of obnoxious too you know and drew attention to right. themselves and the only thing that drew attention to her was she was like so poor that was that was it right. she was just like poor you know but poor clothes and like you know her, her hair was bad because they were so poor and that was it it's and quiet Right. You know, I, I think I think we come from the generation that was raised by the baby boomers. And I remember you guys would remember this better than I do. But in the 70s, there seemed to be this like resurgence for for the 50s. You know, between yeah. American Graffiti Greece. and Happy Days and Grease and Sha Na Na. Yep. And, and, you know, do, 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 do. I remember watching that when I was a really little kid on television. And I think there is something about the baby boomer generation that, you know, they, they, they were they were raised by the World War Two vets and that generation and somewhere along the line they're like wow i liked all the crap that i had when i was a kid so they would either collect or recollect or whatever and that instilled in our generation yeah the need to buy everything when i was when i was in my 20s back in the 90s i i, I hung around with three guys uh, we, we called ourselves the Fantastic Four. We, we, we named one of them as the Invisible Girl because we were assholes. But uh, that's just how you are with your friends when you're in your 20s. Hell, it's how you are with your friends now sometimes. But we all were into our different things. My friend Ryan bought CDs like they were going out of style. I bought comics. Yes. Uh, and my friend Andy bought... Um, movies and, and so did Eric to a certain extent. And Eric kind of collected both movies and music. And we were all, we both had like, we all had these large collections. And we were all like in this race almost 
to see who could get the most stuff. We we were the and, purest. I think we were the purest, the first pure consumer generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And I think you learn from the past, though. And I think, you know, Chris, you said something earlier that, that really kind of tripped me tripped with me is that you know we're, we're now in a generation of people that are perfectly fine having all of their entertainment not in their house you know they, they want to watch right, their right. films or listen to their music or or watch their netflix have or, a small or whatever bo- have a small bookcase with a few of their favorite yeah. books on it yeah and and but just have you know, everything, entertainment is once again disposable. Yes. And I think that is actually healthy. It's to a certain I think extent. it's healthy. It's healthier because it, healthier, it, it, yeah. it brings, it has, it ha- actually it has drawbacks. You know, if we want to analyze yeah. it, there's, it's a double-edged sword for sure. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's almost freeing in a way to like, I remember it was only a few years within 10 years like probably eight years ago that I had binders full of movies on that I downloaded and burned onto CDs and DVDs just so I was, I'm like, I'm archiving all the greatest movies of all time. And it's kind of freeing when you know, ah, you know what? I could go on to archive.org and watch that streaming at any time. Why do I need, you know, this big binder taking up all this Mm -hmm. space? It's (laughs) there all the, you know, and, and, it's it's illusory, but it's still, you know. I think I, I I think the baby boomers like were the first consumer generation, but they had the you know they were coming right out of World War Two, and their parents were, you know, up until World War Two, you know, past World War Two is where we we were still building, but up until that point we were building the country, and after the the baby boomers got to sort of just sort of live in it you know mm-hmm. and and then we became the ones that just purely we just we 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 live in in that world we're not like oh my god we got to rebuild from you know world war Two or you know factories are just starting to come into you know the industrial revolution or something it's all of our revolutions now are more like sort of like you know the silicon valley revolution and stuff like that there there's they're smaller and they're becoming more abstract. So it's not like all of a sudden the country has to build a thousand million factories to, for the new Mm -hmm. businesses. So we we're the first ones that are living in a world where it's like, you know, if you're going to collect stuff, you collect stuff from your culture and, and our culture is a consumer culture. So it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a wall with 4,000 pins on them and half of them are advertising some sort of, more than half of them, most of them, you know, some of us Slurpees or Star Wars or superheroes or Disney or something like that, you know, and uh, yeah, and now I think our culture is going the opposite way, although in reality, even digitally, now people can collect, now people can be like the greatest library in the world Mm -hmm. ever, ever had and just put it on a bookshelf full of hard drives or something like that you know so right and it's and it's funny because part of me is like these sons of bitches today don't know what it's like to wait for superman to come on abc television because 
you know, I haven't seen it since the last time it was on ABC television or HBO. And, you know, it's like everything I ever wanted to watch 20 years ago is now in my library with one exception. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you want to hang on to the things you love, but, but, but it's, it's the other thing that was kind of striking me about what Scott was saying is one of the reasons that I didn't get into because I really wasn't thinking about it. At some point I'm going to get to redo my office. Right. And the thing that has always stuck with me about redoing my office is what am I going to do with all these comics? You know, I have to plan for that space. And now that I'm selling off all but, you know, like 40 boxes, which will fit very nicely into a closet, I'm like, wow, I can actually put furniture in there now. I could I could I could actually make it a nice place instead of the desk with the microphone on it and all my comics and <laughs> comics books. piled around you yeah, like a <laughs> fortress of Bailey-tude. So but no, I, I, I think I think what what Scott and I and, and you are doing is aging uh, to quote to quote Adam Carolla perfectly normal and perfectly healthy. Yeah. I think I think there comes a point where you look at what you what you have and you're like what does this mean to me? I mean, I hardly buy Blu-rays and DVDs. The last one I actually bought was the 3-hour cut of Superman the movie. You guys got that, right? That Blu-ray that came out? I, I have oh, I've never yes, owned a Blu-ray player. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll have to do something on that, Scott. Uh, uh, you are like the umpteenth person that oh, okay. said that, but I've been waiting for you to say it. I'm, oh, yeah, I was okay. just going to say, I, 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 if, if we're going to, you know, no, no offense to anybody else out there in the world, but I'd rather hear you and Michael Bailey talk about it. Okay. Well, uh, yep. we'll reconnect on that on the other stuff I've been talking about now that things have calmed down because things went crazy at the beginning of February, but no, it's just, it's just night, you know, like, like I, I bought, uh, through work because we had this thing where we get stuff cheap. I bought the the three remaining seasons of Batman Brave and the Bold, the animated show that I needed. And someone right. was just like, why did you buy that? It's on Netflix. Guess what's not on Netflix anymore? So there are things that you do <laughs> need to buy, but I think right. it, if the smell test is, will I want to watch this five years from now? Right, right. And if that's not the case, Leave it on Netflix. It'll be on some streaming service at some at point. Some point you know? yep. If it's something that means something to me, if it's something that I feel like an emotional and personal connection to, yes, I want that physical copy. You know, it's like, why do I want my su- the, the superpower figures I had when I was a kid? Because I loved them. But I don't need every right. DC direct DC figure ever, you know? So... Uh, which reminds me, Scott, are you still looking for that DC Universe Jonah Hex figure? Do you know the one I'm talking no, I about? Wanna, did I ever? I'm trying to remember. Did I ever get that? It seems. And to this me is that... why we're selling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I must. You know, it's weird because I'm thinking, yeah, I got one of those, but then I'm looking around in my room and I don't have one, and I'm pretty sure I have gone through all of my boxes of collectibles at this point and i don't remember ever finding him so i i guess i never got one but you know i i i don't need it you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that's what that's what happens when you get the three people who are trying to get rid of everything, and it's just like, maybe we could just rotate our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just no, I, then I, it I just, just keeps uh, swirling in a nerd eddy forever. And, and, and if, if there are people out there that have listened to the show for a while or are binge listening like on old episodes and it's like you guys you guys weren't like this before realize people get older and things change well, <laughs> and you know that's really what i say no, about that of, <laughs> of no small consideration too and i i should have led with this because i realized i went down rather rather dark paths but uh you know of no small consideration is the fact that we want to move you know i mean yeah. we mm-hmm. we have rented since we've we moved to florida we we still rent where we are and the reason that we rent here is because uh the boys were in school well you know scotty graduated and he's moved away uh, uh, you know a good number of years ago now and logan graduates here in just another couple of months we really would like to move. We'd like to have our own place for one thing, but even if it never works out that, or doesn't work out for a while that we get, you know, our own place at the very least, we are looking to move. We got to get out of this area because frankly, the gas and tolls commuting to, to Orlando every day are just killing me. Um, and I just, I I cannot move all this shit again. Right. You know, it's, it's the the idea of me having to move for one, finding a place to hold all the stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and two, actually moving it. I I mean, I would have to pay a lot, lot of money to like, I could get people to help me move because I've helped. I've got good moving karma. I've helped a lot of people move, but (laughs) I would still pay them because it's going to be it would be backbreaking. So I'd rather have that right. not be a not be a factor. Not that I'm even thinking of moving, but someday I'm probably you know I'm probably not going to live here forever. So yeah, right. And I am not going the storage route. You know the storage no. uh, facility. How route. expensive those things yeah. are, especially because you're going to need a climate control. You're ju- yeah, you're just renting another house. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and if you have those comics, if you don't get climate control, you're just going to end up ruining everything. Yeah. While storing, I, I never really thought about it till just this moment. But you know. <laughs> Thank God, I've never had to resort to that. You know, in all these years, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm kind of surprised by that. But I've never had to resort to that. And uh, yeah, I've, I've long said, you know, I'd sooner set fire to this shit than throw it in some storage well, facility, likely never to see it again. Because I used to move. You know, the every first thing that happened is I'd, I'd get in arrears on payments or something, and then you know they'd have one of those friggin', uh, you know shows on tv yeah. you know where some asshole <laughs> buys the lot for 20 bucks and yep. gets all my comics or something yep. you know so yeah screw that i'm not doing that but anybody i've ever known that has had to do that has had horror stories every single one of them yep. has had horror stories you know they get silverfish or you know they, they get water damage or it gets broken into and stolen or they sell it out from under them or what it's yep. screw that you know yep so yeah but no, I mean it. It's what's cool. So at least so far is that uh, I'm enjoying the process. Surprisingly, you know, I really thought that this would be one of those things where I would I would cry through it, you know. But it's so far it's been. I don't want to necessarily use the word therapeutic, but I mean I've been enjoying myself. And uh, I, again, to me, for me, the thing that's really helped a lot well, is that I'm starting. Win, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean you I'm starting with scraping. Them the bottom of the barrel you know because i because almost everything not everything but almost everything i've listed so far i've started like a buck 
even some things that I knew damn well were worth a lot more than a buck because I figured, you know, if all I get for this is a dollar, what good has it been doing me right. all these years? <laughs> it's been sitting in a box. Right. It's been sitting in a box doing no- nothing for nobody. Right. So somebody pays me a dollar for it. It's a dollar more than I had yesterday. Yep. You know? And I tell you what, so far that philosophy has really served me well. Now, that story is probably going to change when it comes to my comics. <laughs> or at least certain comics anyway. I mean, I'll be damned if I'm going to lose certain comics at starting at a dollar. But I'm, at the same rate, there's probably a good number of them. Screw it. I, I'll list them at a buck well, because I know if damn you, well. If you know, you, if you know you're going to so. get like $500 for the comic, you can start it at 99 cents. And you know people are, you know, there's some things you know people are going to bid up. You know, it's not going to yeah. stay at 99 cents. And you can start it at 99 cents and be like, okay, it'll be a, the auction will cost less because it's starting low, but if I had it to do over again, those Wolverine, the, those Hulks with the early Wolverines uh, appearances in them that I sold not long ago, I, I don't know. I was so tempted to lowball those and start them at like a, a dollar, but that that's the problem is that then you run that risk that man once you once you commit yeah, to that you're committed. You're committed so if it to sells it. for a buck, you're screwed, you know. And and you can't. It's not like you can go. Well, sorry, but no. And I've had that happen to me. I don't think you could do that anymore on eBay the way eBay is today. But back in the early days of eBay, I had that, that happen to me many times, times. And that's yeah. the worst. Where you're just like, "What, really? That's no fair." Especially after you get the glee of getting something awesome for ninety nine cents, and the people just going, "Ah, yep. no, I didn't know this was going to work out. Not in my advantage." <laughs> yep. I can't remember what was in the lot now. But I remember winning a lot for 99 cents. That was, I mean, it was a sweet, sweet lot of comics. I just, it's weird that I can't remember a single thing that was in there now. But I remember it being like, holy shit, this is, this is the haul. And I got it for 99 cents. And then the shipping on it was like, I don't know, like 15 bucks or something. And the guy pulled the plug on it. And, but you know, to his credit, at least he was honest. You know, he was like, I am so sorry, but I never thought that this would only sell for, you know, 99 cents. I just can't do it. Sorry, here's your money back type of thing. And it, you know, it sucked, you know, but if you, I felt if you, for the guy at the same rate. Yeah. If you but, did that today, eBay would come to your house and beat the crap out of you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no way you could do that today. Yeah. But back then, it was, everything was skewed toward, the buyer or excuse me the seller back then and today the, that pendulum has completely swung the other yep. way to everything that's a, is geared toward that's going to be an episode buyer. of garage sale gloat someday i i i can i've i've been using ebay so like i charted that whole change and what happened through it yeah it's uh it's quite a story but yeah ebay used to be ebay back in the days used to send you emails saying Hey, we're doing such good business that we've decided to cut all the, you know, all your rates of everything, and we're cutting the rates right. of this and this, and we're sharing our our success for the. And then there was a time where that started switching, and they're just like, "Hey, guess what? We're gonna screw you a little bit." Oh, guess what? We found a new way to make it a little less <laughs> profitable for you. How do you feel about that? Well, that you know. That was when I walked away from eBay. You know, the last time I did eBay to any great, you know, 
regularity. It was it was a good number of years ago now, and that's what finally broke me was coming to that realization that man, they don't they once, don't back you for once shit the skew as a seller went from anymore. the sellers to the buyers. Yeah, it, it became yeah. a whole different world, and now I only sell certain things on eBay that I know I'm going to be selling. To, I won't sell video games or comics or anything. Yeah. Like like that on eBay because I don't want to deal with people who are like you know the kind of people who buy video games are the people who like won't pay you or say this came broken and stuff like that. And, yeah, but when you that's what it was. It was a, it was a game. It was a god. What the hell game was? I don't remember. It was a PlayStation Two game, and uh, and I sold it to some prick that lived down in. Um, oh God. Mike would know the place, and I, I'm just blanked out. Lagrange in Lagrange, oh, yes, which is not that far, honestly, from no. Carrollton. And I sold it to some guy down in Lagrange, and the son of a bitch claimed he never got it. But it was one of those things back then, and this has even changed now. But back then, um, if somebody wanted all the extra shit then you could list it in your auction. Right. That, hey, if you want insurance, you're going to pay for it. If you want tracking, you're going to pay for it. all this stuff. And so I had all that stuff in the listing. Yep. And because if not, I you're on your own. In but get those if you want. shipping because that's how I like to buy is, you know, right. cheap shipping or free. So this was extreme lowball. I I mean, the thing ended up selling for, I don't know, if it, if it sold for a penny, it wouldn't surprise me because I used to list shit really cheap. So it was a cheap video game, cheap shipping, and I sent the thing out, and this son of a bitch claimed that he never got it. Now, I can't prove that he never got it, but just by the nature of the emails yep. I got back and forth from the guy, pretty much said, this guy's thumbing his nose at me and going, what can you do? Prove me wrong. Yep. Yep. And I wanted so badly to drive because I had his address. That story happened. I wanted with to drive to Lagrange so and often. kick his friggin' door in and go in and search his house and find it and be like, "You son of a bitch!" But and but that's when I realized because I wrote eBay this very impassioned letter saying, "Look, why why are you taking his why are you, what makes his word better than mine?" I upheld my end of the bargain. They threw it in the pile. I sent of eight thousand impassioned letters going wild yeah, exactly. that they got that day. <laughs> yep. And uh, and basically, you know, I don't even know that I got a response. But at, at the end of the day, what they did was they went back into my PayPal account and gave him his yep. money back. Yep. And didn't and never cons. That's what really that was yep. the final straw. They, so they never money. even consulted yep. with me. They never informed me they were going to do it. They just did it. And then so I wrote them another letter going, uh, excuse me, you know, what What the hell? So now I'm out the money and the item. How is, how is that fair to me if I upheld my end of the bargain? You know, where where's the investigatory progress, process here to find out... You know <laughs> who's right, who's wrong, who's yeah, telling the truth, happening. who's not telling the you know where they don't have the time or money to investigate every eBay claim, so they just don't. They just that's they use that's some what algorithm to, that, to decide it. Like so now, you know, all all some asshole has to do is go, Well, I never got it, and they get they get their money back. And very likely get your item too, and then you're left, you know, with nothing. You don't, you don't have the money or the item anymore, and that, that to me was unacceptable. The, the only solace you can take from any of this, Scott, is that he lives in Lagrange. 
<laughs> you just know his life is terrible. That's probably so. 12 years old, too. <laughs> right. Well, that's um, punishment in itself. I mean, you there, lived yeah. in Carrollton, which, you know, they just got running water about 10 years ago. So. <laughs> uh, well, I know we've been doing say? all this this heady stuff, and now I'm kind of worried we're going to bring any everybody down with, the, with this really deep philosophical part of the show. <laughs> well, before we get to a, the deep philosophical part of the show, um, why don't we take a little break and then we'll come back with the deep philosophical part. You got a piss? <laughs> yes. Great. I got a song for that. so much better all right now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show get chris to read a goddamn superhero comic comic oh yeah we're getting serious now it's all you buddy hello i am chris and today on get chris to read a super goddamn superhero comic I am reading Action Comics number 436. This story is called The Super Cigars of Perry White. Perry White is Clark Kent's boss at the newspaper The Daily Planet. Clark Kent is really Superman. And a cigar is a thing that you burn that looks and smells like a turd. So, apparently, in another comic, Perry White helped some X-Men win a battle with Callisto Flockhart and so they decided to give him a present of some magic cigars, which they switch with his normal cigars without telling him. This is stupid because that's what you do when you slip somebody some exploding cigars as a joke. Maybe the X-Men don't know when you give someone a present, what you usually do is put wrapping paper on it and a nice card saying who it's from. Well, Perry has another Pulitzer Prize, so he decides to take Clark Kent, who is Superman, with him on a plane to report on him accepting the award. In about 10 seconds, the plane starts to crash. So Clark Kent pretends to crap his pants to become Superman, but Perry Wright is already smoking a super cigar and saves the plane ahead of Superman. Instead of doing something like go to a doctor, 
Perry White just sort of goes on to the ceremony where he gets back at some people picking on Clark with his super cigar ass breath. Then the Mole Man attacks, and people see him flying off to fight the Mole Man and figure that Perry White is Superman. But then his cigar runs out, and Superman has to mop things up. Superman, <laughs> Perry wishes on his magic cigar to tell him what's up with his magic cigars. He sees the whole X-Men part from the beginning and puts his last cigar in a safe behind his framed Pulitzer. The moral of this story is that even though a cigar smells like a camel's ass and tastes like another part of the camel that you can leave to your imagination and a cigar will give you mouth cancer, they make a great gift. And what's a little mouth cancer if you can fly and wish away the mouth cancer? The end. Oh, there was a Green Arrow story, but it was really stupid. Um, I think that about covers it. I'm feeling good about getting back in the swing of things, guys. Tell me that that next to last panel of Perry putting the cigar in the safe doesn't look like he's getting a turd out of the safe. <laughs> I've got to remember to gold plate this turd someday. <laughs> Mama White saved Perry's first turd. <laughs> so I can oh, store Lord. it behind my Pulitzer. No biggie. Only, only in comic books could kids thrill to the adventures of a fat... <laughs> middle-aged cigar smoking newspaper yes yeah, newspaper editor you know well that's the thing is i'm reading i'm reading this comic and i'm thinking to myself this is so stupid but at the same time <laughs> it's so imaginative you know and, and and the and the characters are so like perry white you know i mean he's always supposed to be sort of like grumpy or whatever uh, he, i mean he's not j jonah jameson but he's still sort of the crusty but he's still, he's just, everybody in this story, except for like a couple bad guys that just sort of step in, everybody's just so jovial about it. And Perry White's just like, hey, I just happen to have superpowers, you know? And, <laughs> and there's no existential crisis or anything. They just go about their normal days just like, hey, awesome, I got some magic cigars that give me godlike powers. And, you know, they're... It just in no way reflects what real reality would be like if a situation and therefore is, I guess it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm I was reading it and thinking, what goddamn kids care about a Pulitzer Prize? Is <laughs> 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 the story element in this. It's just like, it's so weird. But I guess that's that that time period. Boy, oh, boy. Apple N, little O, little B, little E, little L, <laughs> no bell. No bell. Prize! So, oh. Um, so, <clears throat> I have a, a particular blind spot in my Superman knowledge, and, and that's called uh, Most of the Silver and Bronze Age. And, and because of that... And this is uh, why? <laughs> and I, No, and I've been going back, and uh, I tried... Not, you know, not one of these, like, John Wilson uh, vision quests of a reading project where... You know, <laughs> reading absolutely everything but i was like okay i'm at least gonna read my books you know like the books that are in my personal collection and i started reading some of the silver age books and uh one 
it seemed like every Silver Age Superman story started one day in Metropolis, um, which was fine. But I, I, I soon realized in reading those Silver Age stories that while there are some that are really good, reading a bunch of them is this isn't like the Superman that I really connect with. Right. So I've I've kind of moved into the Bronze Age a little bit and I find myself connecting with it more and then every once in a while you get a story like this, which feels like a Silver Age story written in the Bronze Age. Uh, that's not to say that it's bad, because uh, it is enjoyable. And like you said, th there's a lot of imagination going on here. But, man, this is... I actually knew about this story only because it was mentioned in the Superman source book that Mayfield or Mayfair Games put out. Uh, had You probably... I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It has a John Byrne cover. Yeah, Superman. okay, yeah. And this was one you're, of the You're talking the source book, right? Yeah, the source book. The Superman source... Yeah, you gave it to me. The, the one that oh. I have, you gave to me. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was my extra copy. So this is mentioned in that book under Perry White's entry, by the way. Oh, good Lord. So, but I, I just, like, I love Elliot S. Magan. I, uh, I appreciate Kurt Swan, but... Hot damn, this was just goofy. I guess mm -hmm. is the best way to say it. Well, it's like, what a world they live in where it's just like, how? Uh, what are the odds of a plane crash, you know? Yeah. And, and then they, In Superman's world? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's every 10 minutes. Every day, it's yeah. every 10 minutes. And it's just like, <laughs> that, that plane crash, I mean, they, they, they just survived a plane crash, and then Perry White's like, all right, off to the Pulitzers, you know? Oh, and by the way, I got superpowers. It's just sort of like, but off to the Pulitzers, you know? And he, and everything is just taken in stride. It's not like you know when's the FFA. Usually, it's like here. Let's we have to sit around while we file reports with the FFA on this. <laughs> and the emergency <laughs> crews. It seems like they just sort of landed the plane and then like got in a car and like. <laughs> well, here we are. Mike, and then when they get to the Pulitzer, the, the walls are crashing down. <laughs> Remember back pre-crisis how there were a number of characters that emigrated from one Earth to another? Yes. I'm thinking that maybe B.A., what's his name, Baracus from the A-Team, maybe he emigrated from this Earth, and that's why he doesn't he ever want to get, get on, on a plane. plane. Yeah. I ain't getting on no plane. I know that one out of every two planes crash. That wouldn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Um, Especially if it has a Superman supporting character well, aboard. Well, know, he knows on this Earth there's no Superman, so, yeah, getting on a plane is death. Right. And, and, and the other one, it doesn't matter if it crashes. <laughs> you want to get in a plane crash because then you're going to get to meet Superman. <laughs> I wonder if there are people in, 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 this, in this world that, like, hurl themselves off of skyscrapers. Yeah. Superman fans. <laughs> and just before they hit the ground, they realize what a horrible miscalculation <laughs> they made. Oh, yeah, this is his... <laughs> this is his... Oh, yeah, Darkseid's in town. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> no, and, and, and the thing is, is that the Bronze Age was, was kind of a fascinating time for Superman because sometimes you got... There is a, uh, a four-part series that runs through Superman 296 to 299, where this alien named Xavier uh, has been watching Superman basically his whole life and has been hatching this plan. And Superman actually goes through this like existential crisis where he has to choose between being Superman and Clark Kent. So there's an issue of it 
where he's just Clark Kent and he punches Steve Lombard in the face, which actually makes it one of the greatest Superman comics ever written, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Here, here. And then in the next issue, he's Superman all the time. And it was basically for 1975, 1976, this was something you didn't see a lot in, in the Superman books. So that kind of stuff I can really sink my teeth into. But this kind of stuff, it's just like, oh, we really needed a story for this issue. So <laughs> we're going to throw this that's, one out. That's it's how I goofy. felt about the Green Arrow story, too. That one was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, and the problem with the Green Arrow story, and this is nothing against the man as an artist, but most of those Green Arrow backups were drawn by Mike Grell. So you can really get into a Mike Grell-drawn story from the 70s. I like Dick Dillon, but it's just... I don't want to read a Dick Dillon Green Arrow story, <laughs> if that makes yeah, any well, sense. The, the, the art was the best part of both of these stories. I thought the art was solid on both of the stories. But Yeah, yeah kind of weird that we like a Vinnie Coletta inking piece. I didn't even notice that aspect of it. Yeah, it was... Uh, you didn't Vinnie notice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, I just get wrapped up in that story and that's it, you know? Wow. <laughs> uh, I just but want no, to know I'm, all I'm the kids who are going out buying cigars after this comic. <laughs> so, well, you guys got your comics from a cigar shop. That's so. true. We did. Oh, I wonder if there was a little cross promotion going on in those days. <laughs> Trading those future customers. I mean, I, I don't know how much you've read, Scott. Uh, I don't know how much silver age. I mean, a Bronze Age stuff that you've read. I know that a lot of like your early comics are Bronze Age. But what what do you right. think of the Bronze Age Superman? I mean, he was my Superman. You know, up until okay. up until you know Burn came along. I mean, I, I often say you know Burn Superman is my Superman because I felt like it gave him a much needed you know fresh coat of paint and everything, but. I mean, the, the Bronze Age Superman is the one that I grew up with. I say that, but I also, and I think you and I have discussed this before, I'm also of the opinion that there's not, there isn't really a Bronze Age Superman. That what people want to call the, the Bronze Age Superman, or, or rather I should say the, the, the delineating line that people want us to use to say, well, this is where the Bronze Age Superman begins... I understand why they do that with the kryptonite nevermore story. It's because all of a sudden it, it, it was the semi marvelization of Superman. They, they were trying to make him a little more hip and now and relevant and all that sort of thing. But the problem is it didn't stick. So he quickly went back to these types of stories. So Superman, in, in my opinion, is... You know, he's Silver Age right up until the crisis. I mean, he's Silver Age right up until, you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. I, I really am of the opinion that there, there's really not a Bronze Age Superman. But anyway, that said, to answer your question, I mean, this this is the one I grew up with. Um, but there's, I, I think it's very telling that, that this is also a reason why I don't have any great, long, unbroken runs of, of, pre-crisis or at least i didn't when i was a kid because i would drop in and drop out based on a number of different factors art was a huge factor for me if the art sucked i wouldn't pick it up but also i mean i would kind of breeze through it to see what does the story look like it does the story look stupid or does it look fairly you know intelligent and something that would hold my interest and so i had a weird relationship with this 
with this era of Superman, with this in you know, with this interpretation of Superman, because largely it was still, I feel, aimed at kids. You know, it, it wasn't trying to be anything anything great, you know, anything more than just fun kitty comics. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, that's I, I think that's why I I have such a high opinion of the burn stuff because burn did elevate him. You know, burn did put him on a par with, you know, other titles that were coming out concurrently, you know, X-Men and teen Titans right. and things like that. You know, it, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, I mean, this Superman here as presented in this particular issue, this is more on a par with something like Richie rich and hot stuff. I was just going to say, yeah. this is like something that this kind of story is what, like, this is the kind of comic book I would get crammed in my hands if we're on a family road trip somewhere to see the ants or something, and we stopped at a right. gas right. station. Here's something for the kid to read in the car, you know? Yep, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with no. that. I mean, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a way, I, I wish that certain comics and certain characters would kind of go back to that, but without regressing into being stupid either, because... That that's the problem with this particular issue is that I like that it's it's kid friendly, it's safe, it's something you could give to a child to read, but at the same rate, it's also childish. And that's I mean, that's a really it's it's a tough tightrope act to perform, you know, where you're gonna write something that is child accessible yet not talking down so much that it that it comes off as just moronic well, and yeah, this is I'm, a mor- i'm sorry this is a moronic yeah, story. yeah i it's can't just read dumb, this as a serious, you know? serious story I, when when i read it i read it as thinking this is an entertainment for children you know right. and as such it's whimsical and imaginative and anything could happen at any time so it's exciting but at the same time it's like you can't put you can't get anything out of it adult wise like oh i wonder what this story means as far as this or this goes or the characters it's just like oh no what it means is to the human condition cigars right (laughs) right well i mean i i think i think you summed it up best in your synopsis the the simple fact that perry just takes all this shit in stride well all of a sudden hey now i've got superpowers isn't this wonderful as as opposed to as you said he doesn't go to the doctor or, or you know, he doesn't seek uh, an explanation or anything. He's just very nonplussed about the whole situation. Well, I well, guess I, I'm super now. What? I, I will say this for Perry White. It was amazing that he, even though he's Perry White, head of the Daily Planet, you know, he's the boss. When Superman showed up, he's just like, oh, great. An experienced superhero is here. Well, he also made sure to say several times, I don't make the news. I'm a news I'm reporter. I'm just in it yep. now, somehow. I'm also, I'm a little, you know, I mean, wasn't the whole reason that they moved Clark from being a newspaperman to being a nightly newscaster, wasn't the whole reason because editorial thought that kids had no clue what the hell a scoop was right so if they don't know what a scoop is it's ice cream five-year-old knows what the hell a pulitzer prize is. right <laughs> that's what i'm saying i'm like what where, where does a pulitzer prize figure into a kid's world they're just like what i mean i'm sure they just assumed <coughs> from the context that it was a big newspaper prize but it's just like Ooh, you know what? What little kids going? Whoa! 
Daily Planet won the Pulitzer. <laughs> well, thank right. God. I was losing sleep over yeah. that. <laughs> no, it's just, it, I, I don't like to uh, overly make fun of any era of Superman because I'm, I'm keenly aware of the fact that there are people that look, you know, look at the, the post-crisis stuff and, 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 and are very highly critical of it. Um, I mean, there, there were people, there are people now that are still pissed off that John Byrne revamped Superman, uh, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, so I, I, I try to always temper my, my, my opinions with like, you know, okay, look, I know you might love this, but this is just one of those stories that doesn't work for me. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you only poke at stuff. I know you guys you love this garbage fire, but I don't like garbage <laughs> or fire. Look. Why are you talking about Batman v Superman again? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm still mad at that movie. <laughs> Speaking of people that can't let things go, yeah, I was just gonna say let's let's not <laughs> let's not get started. <laughs> that that's old school. Now we're fighting about the director's cut of Justice League. Oh. <laughs> That never existed. Oh. I was just gonna say, didn't didn't they determine it never actually existed to begin with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yep. thought that's but what they no, were it's out there on the dark web. It's, oh, it's... For God's sake! <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I know that's another part of getting old. It's just too hard to keep up on what I'm supposed to be fighting about. <laughs> keep fighting about all this old shit. Nobody thinks I'm hip anymore. Anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> I'm... I think that's all we got for this one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I hope that's enough material about, for you guys. Uh, <laughs> what do we think about a, a Freaky Five and a Get Chris to Read for next time? It's Mike's turn to choose for both, because I choose I chose Ooh, both of them for this oops. time around. So do I have to choose it right now and announce it here, or...? No, I mean, no, if, if, if I'm putting you too much on the spot... Okay. No, yeah, we could let it be. Because I'm wondering if we want to keep... <laughs> I, I'm wondering, since it is 2018, do we want to keep Chris reading Superman comics? But, uh... I don't know if that's too much of a. I'm gonna read whatever you thing. guys give me, man. I'm easy. Well, it, you if know we that. do, then we want to give something good, you know, because this this was just this was just something facetious, you know. Plus, I picked this because oh god, what the hell? Wait, this wasn't good. What was it? It was uh, oh, you you had reviewed Superman 276, Superman versus Captain Thunder. And apparently there was an ad for this issue in that, and you were like, oh, my God, that, that looks like a train wreck. So I'm like, yes, it is. Let me pick that one. So <laughs> that's where that came from. So, but, yes, this is the year of uh, Superman's 80th anniversary, so maybe maybe we should pick something uh, something good to represent the Man of Steel. You guys can hit me with any kind of Superman you want. I don't care. I'm not like Mikey. I'll just I'll put, I'll shove anything in my mouth. Wait. <laughs> take that back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, backpedaling.
shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2 True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2 True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2 True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for 2 True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about 2 True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Core of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. You know those user agreements that nobody ever, ever, ever reads? Mm-hmm. You know, with every upgrade or, or you know installation or whatever. I actually took the time to read the last one for Skype, and it said in the fine print, "Now with more suck." <laughs> I heard it was fifty-seven percent more suck. <laughs> All the better to clean out your ass. But I guys, guess. it's it's still better than 2008. Oh, that's for sure. No, yeah, actually, a I lot of so. some of my my recordings coming off of Skype have been getting better lately. So, I don't know if that's Skype's or people are just generally having better internet connections or whatever. I don't know. You you say that, and all I can hear is Eric Stoltz from the Fly Two going, "I'm getting better." <laughs> Wow, you actually watched that. <laughs> I did. I kind of... Uh, it wasn't a bad movie. I kind of half-ass enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad movie. It was a bad movie, but it was a, an enjoyable bad... You know what? If the, I was if just the, listening to some old episodes so of Two good. True Freaks, and somebody or other had, had cornered us on a, on a Freaky Five for guilty pleasures. I think I now understand that term, because Fly 2, there you go. <laughs> That's a guilty pleasure. Well, you know, I... I I, I think it wouldn't have been looked at so badly if the first, if the Cronenberg one wasn't so great, you know? And it's like, you're not going to th- come in and do that again, you know? So they just did a, they, they, they did a more grindhouse version of it, you know? It's a cheap B-movie. Right. And it was good as a B-movie, you know? It was just more of a monster movie than the psychological body horror monster movie. That movie, for me, gets a big old pass when he actually turns into the creature because the creature is a hell of a lot better in the second one than he is in the first one. 
And then there's the guy that gets crushed by the elevator. That's awesome. Oh, I forgot Any about that. Any movie that crushes somebody with an elevator, um, yeah, there you go. Instant pass in my book. <laughs> and Daphne Zuniga. Mama so Mia 2, you want to get for... my ass in the theater seat? Crush somebody with an elevator. There if, you go. If, if, if you're ever on trial for crushing someone in an elevator, I'll know you did it. <laughs> Guilty. I'll be a good Guilty. friend and I won't tell anybody, but I'll, I'll know. Guilty. Yeah, we'll burn every uh, version of this recording until yeah. they get it from the NSA. Right. <laughs> Okay, that oh. that makes sense then, because that happens a lot when they when they use a temp and then somebody ends up falling in love with the temp and they're like, "Damn, we can't use that because it's already you know from something." Hang on, just a second. I gotta go boot a dog in the ass. I'll be right back. Yeah, I think I think people jokingly refer to me as the Kevin Bacon of podcasting. Ooh, bacon. You need to you need to revisit your 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 Dark Knight episode, Scott, and do a uh, Into Darkness thing where you just go through everything and then at the end say, "I still hate this fucking movie." So. <laughs> he hasn't I even seen that, Into Darkness. Dark yeah, I have not seen yeah. it. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Lucky, nope. I'm lucky out. I'm out, man. bastard. I oh, said well, I said way back when I said if this motherfucker makes a Star Trek two that's a remake of Rathacon, I'm out. And that's exactly what he did, and I'm out. I'm done. I said, "Fuck J.J. Abrams and everybody that looks like him." The, the third one was the third one was a decent a decent low budget. It was a low a decent low budget Trek movie, but it's like I don't know. Discovery's Discovery's much better than the movies, and I have a feeling that between the Discovery and Orville shows, it might have taken. I I, I don't know if the Abrams versus coming back. I've heard they're doing a four, but I haven't heard much excitement or talk about it or people like really caring about it. <laughs> so I'm hoping the TV shows might just suck the life out of the, the movies. That would be fine with me until like Ooh. a TV show gets good enough to graduate into the movies. Did I tell you I got that Worlds Collide five foot poster for like eight bucks? Yes, you bastard. Yeah, I think uh, even though I'm I'm getting out of even though I'm getting out of paper comics, I think this is going to be con- something I continue to collect is is the promo posters because I, I just love having them. They don't know? take up much space either. Well, yeah, I mean, they... if I can get rid of you know umpteen thousand friggin' long boxes around here, I'll have some more space where I can you know display some more stuff. Yeah, I'm talking to one of the one of the guys that you remember that comic shop we went to, Scott, where you picked up some action comics and some right. Superman. Yeah, uh, he's opened another store in Noonan. Uh, he he bought out the piece of shit store that was in there that replaced the <laughs> other piece of shit store because I don't think Noonan ever had a decent comic shop. Um, and he's looking well, they- for product, so. They had that one that uh, I discovered it as it was going out of business, and that's where my I, I bet in my collection at least doubled when I was buying all that shit for at least my unread stuff doubled anyway because I would that was the guy God, I can't remember what the hell his name was or even what the name of the shop was but it was in a little shopping center and he was going out of business and when I discovered him it was. I don't know, it was like 50 cents a book or something, but by the end of it, it was he was letting me buy bulk. He was like, just fill a long box and we'll cut a deal. 
<laughs> so I'd fill a long box, and you know, you know me, I would stand the the long box on end. Yeah, and then <laughs> fill it that way, so they can, they compress down, you know. And so you know, I get you know, how many, how many can, you can get like four hundred books or something, and if you right. do it that way. If you're going completely against what they teach you in comic book school about oh, how to yeah. store your books, well, you can I'm, get a yeah. In the long yep. term, that might cause the damage, but in the shop, he he probably wanted you to cram them in there. Yeah, That's... he just wanted rid of his shit. He was trying to get out. Yeah, when Fisher's was closing down back in 97, I filled up a long box for 50 bucks, and that's where I got my Watchmen and my in, like my Impact books and Green Lantern, Mosaic. God, I sold those, Green, those Watchmen books for a fucking song back in 2009 when the movie came out. <laughs> Dude, it went for $130. Think of how I feel which, when I see Incredible Hulk 181. The, <laughs> the Watchmen... Single issues. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I bought them for thirty cents a pop. Did you was... say you had a Hulk one eighty one, Chris? At one time, I did. What'd you sell it for? Oh, I probably got fifty bucks for it when when I sold it, and I thought I was. I, I, I had a one eighty, one eighty one, and one eighty two. The first three appearances of what it was like the first cameo of Wolverine, then the first appearance, yes. and then the first yes. like follow up appearance. Finally, did sell them, and I didn't get anywhere near what I thought I would get out of those. I really thought that somebody would scarf those up and they'd go for a, a small mint. And I mean, I did all right, but not not anywhere the numbers I thought. So I don't know if that book is slipping or what. But it's... yeah, I, I don't know if we want to turn like like at some point get back together and and do like a selling special. But uh, I have thoughts on why that didn't go for as much as it did because. The the back issue market is now weirder than it was before. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. I'm on, like, I'm on a fun Facebook page called Low Grade Comic Collectors. Yeah, that, yeah, I just joined that too. That yeah. might be how I found it. I might have seen that you joined it, and then I signed up for it. And it's really, it's really cool. It's like, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see like the those key books at like point five condition and stuff. Right, it, and uh, like the prices, they still some of that stuff still goes for. And like, I I thought it would be just sort of this niche page, but man, there there's I mean, they're really like there's some heavy trading and business going on in that. But I mean, uh, my Wolverine, mine was like, I think I bought it like through like Lone Star or something like that. And it was like five bucks when five bucks was like, that was pretty, that was like my week's allowance. And so it was like, it was right. minty. It was minty. And then I got a hold of the one before it and stuff like that. So like, I mean, if I had that now, I probably get what, like a grand for it. Right. If it was like an eight or up or something like that. Right. Yeah, I'd be, a lot I'd better be than sending 50 that bucks. off to CGC and, and ripping somebody off. Well, that's why I don't plan on ever... I, 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 like, I have a few... Like, when I hit... When Walking Dead hits 200, I'll sell 101 through 200 and then buy all the trades and pocket the, the leftovers, you know? <laughs> but I, But most of my comics, I'm like... I plan on dying with them. But I don't have, like, the bulk... Near the bulk that you guys do, you know? I have, like... 
I probably have nine long boxes if you got everything into boxes and counted magazine size stuff and and stuff like that. I think my right. comic book database is up to like 2,500 comics, but I have more than that because some of them are in comic book database. I'm so proud of you. Uh, Why in the <laughs> hell did Facebook tag Jose Luis Garcia Lopez in my Infinity Gauntlet poster? All those what comic artists get tagged like weird, like what's It never name? does it right, though. It, right, I mean, right. Almost every time I post something comic related, it wants to tag Pat Broderick. Pat I'm like, Bro- what the Pat hell? Pat Broderick gets tagged so much, he's always griping about it. I feel... Poor Pat Broderick <laughs> just lost his son. It's probably too. me he's griping about, too. <laughs> it's everybody. Everybody's just like, I don't know, man. Every time I put a picture up, it tags you. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he has Ooh, just it, one of those It faces. wants to tag Hitler. It wants to tag Hitler. Who should I attach it and say, say this is? Oh man, that would be great. Get you got to get more. If you get a bunch of people tagging the same person as Hitler, <laughs> <laughs> it'll really add up. Do you guys uh, are you guys familiar with these artifact and uh, like artist books that IDW is putting out? They're they're giant hardcovers that have uh that reprint like uh they've done a jack kirby one uh and other thing and uh like a like a mighty thor jack kirby or a new gods jack kirby where it's like a huge book oversized and they they're <clears throat> basically showing off the penciled pages hmm no i don't think so uh, yeah save, save your 200 dollars because this july they're doing a john byrne one uh, for his x-men stuff the uh, they did something similar. If I ever spend that much, I'm gonna get. There's a um, Walt Simonson Alien. Yeah, one. that looked amazing. Yeah, the art. Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> and like I hunted. I finally hunted down. I got my fi- finally got my copy of that Alien one. But I would love to have you know just the the big giant full rough penciled. Look at oh my god, that would be so beautiful. So beautiful. So who's bringing this in? <laughs> um, hmm. That's a good question. Would you like me to? Sure. What the hell number are we anyway? That's a good you know question. What we are? <laughs> um, to the site. <laughs> I meant to. I meant to look that up. If last only week. there was a place where I could find out what episode this was. Let's see. Alright, this is two true God damn it, there's all this stuff that's not us. It's Comics Monthly Monday 71. 71. Alright, I need to write that down somewhere because I'm old and I'll forget. Alright, so 71. What overall episode is this? Do we know or care? They're a, a main feed. General. What was the last what was the last thing that, that we put up? Was it Star Trek Monthly Monday? Was that the last Official episode? Yes. Yes? Yes. So this is 510. Ooh, 510. Holy shit, we do a lot of podcasting. Or at least we used to. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Ahem. Ahem. All right. Let me take a drink here. And elk. <laughs> 